Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm supposed to take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value came in, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to haters. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. You would know because you lived it, right? Wow. I just... I got blanks in different areas. That's what it is. Okay, all right, area code. Today's episode is 303. Apparently, yeah, that's a Colorado area code. We got a special guest here for us, with us. Dinner. We got the, uh, Larry Elder, the great Larry Elder here, who, uh, uh, you know, he's got a lot to say. He's uh, black, running black, for the office. Black of, the black face of white supremacy. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe, we, I can't believe it. Larry, Larry yeah. went there. Right See, Larry, yeah. Yeah. I work hard for that title. Come on. Come on. <laughs> there we go. Call him the black face of white Supremacy. He is a political commentator, uh, conservative radio uh, host. Uh, the Larry Elder Show, based in California. The show began local in uh, uh, KABC in 1993, ran until 2008, and then his second show, KABC, from 2010 to 2014. And now it's with Salem Radio. Tom, are you okay? Are you spazzing out? What is Tom doing? I don't know, Pat. No, I, just a. It's okay. What happened? No, I just had to give a signal to Rob. What's the signal? Tell us what tell the us, signal is. Tell us what the best. Now we have to pause to find what the signal's about. Go ahead. Uh, I think Larry's mic is way too low. We can hardly. No, hear that him was just me. That. I was being. Oh, crazy. okay. Being All right. Just trying to. Uh, Tom, you're going to be okay. Tom, I wish we could focus on Tom. Tom was spat. I thought for a second He's Tom was having, having a seizure. seizure. Yeah. <laughs> I got but Tom's okay. Okay. So he he authored a book as. I Cal need to go uh, to bed. It's what they told me to say. As as goes California, my mission to rescue the Golden State and save the nation. By the way, he still hasn't left. He's one of the only ones that's uh, stayed behind. I think he's going to be the last one to leave. Yeah, Even California is left with one. Light. That book comes out, by the way, in November. I also have a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Did you know I was that? about to say that, oh, which sorry. is pretty ridiculous. That's the amazing. Guy, he's, he's got a Hollywood star South Walk East of Fame. corner. A vine? Right next to uh, Mary Pickford. April 27, 2015, like, you like got you, it. Like you know who Mary Pickford is. No, is it on Vine? Is yeah. it on Vine? Is he the little guy on, on, uh, on <laughs> Treasure Island? <laughs> is short Mary Pickford? <laughs> yeah. Did you ever think this was going to happen? No. Okay, so why, no, why no, not? No, no, Was that a you know, um I didn't even care about movies when I was a little kid. My brother, my older brother, Kirk, loved, loved, loved movies. We'd go down to Hollywood and go down to the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He knew all the stars, and I'm like, bored. And fast forward, I get one. It, it's it's just... It's just beyond uh, beyond my comprehension. It really is. I think it's pretty sick for that to happen. I, I, I think it's uh, right there. If you can focus in. And, yeah, that's they, amazing. They, they have a few uh, radio guys who have them. but It's a handful. It's, of it's Ben right? Scully, yeah. Casey Kasem, yeah. and Larry Elder. Yeah. That's amazing. Arthur Godfrey. Does, an, does Howard Stern have one or not yet? No, he does not. Not, not that I know of. I don't no, think really? Yeah, he wouldn't leave his very house because of COVID. <laughs> Larry, what year did you get the star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Pardon me? What year did that happen? 2015. Do you think oh. you would get it today in today's political I have climate? No, I, I was surprised I got it then. I've been oh, really? nominated many times. I never got it. And I get a phone call, and they're telling me that uh, that I got it. So That's great. Yeah. Well, congratulations. That's a big deal. And you're running right now for president. Right. Ran for governor of California. Uh, I got three and a half million votes, which is kind of interesting because I didn't make the first debate stage. And the whole point behind having criteria is to make sure that anybody that fogs up a mirror who thinks he wants to run for president can't demand a spot on the debate stage. And I get that. But I ran for governor, got three and a half million votes. There were 46 people who wanted to replace Gavin Newsom. I finished number one of, the, of all the other replacement candidates. I got 49% of the total vote on the replacement side. The next highest person, and there were independents, Republicans, and Democrats that ran, next highest person got 9%. The highest Republican after me got 7%. And in, I got in with just eight weeks left. In eight weeks, I raised $27 million, 150,000 individual donors. Half of them came from outside of California. 
Uh, California had 58 counties. On the replacement side, I carried 57 and 58. And by the way, I wasn't the state party person that they wanted. They wanted a guy named Kevin Faulkner. He was a two-term mayor of San Diego. The National Party wanted Faulkner. Uh, Kevin McCarthy told all the Republicans in the House in California to stay out of the race unless it was uh, Kevin Faulkner. I carried San Diego County by 30 points. And I thought at some point, when it was obvious I was the guy that the base wanted, that the National and State Party would either endorse me or give me some verbal support or give me some money. They didn't either. So, so why do you think they didn't? Is it because you I, think— I, was, I wasn't the guy. Uh, I wasn't the establishment. I was, I was complete, complete, total grassroots. I mean, I never ran for anything. I didn't think I was going to get into the race. The others had been running for months. I got in the last minute. And I, I went to the top right away. I, I mean, you them. said it so fast as if it's a, you know, not a big deal. $27 million, eight weeks, 150,000 yeah, donors, yeah. 50% right. not in the state of California. And, and, and by the way, there was a recall election in 2003 in California. That's how, Gavin, uh, that's how uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor. Since then, there are 5% more registered Democrats in California. There are 33% registered, fewer registered Republicans, and 50% more registered independents. And independents in California vote Democrat. So with a battlefield far more daunting, I did just as well as Arnold Schwarzenegger did. He got 49%. I got 49%. Why do you think it wasn't even close and uh, Newsom won it and it wasn't even like a Congress? It was 61, 63%. Ended up being 60%. Why do do you think that? I got outspent about 10 to 1. And for a while, the recall part was in the margin of error. And they were scared bleepless. In came Obama. In came Joe Biden. In came all the money, teachers union. And they turned it around, and he ended up keeping his job pretty comfortably. However, he had to spend 50% more to to retain his job than he did to get his job. Um, But they they turned it into a national race. They said, uh, if you watch the commercials, and I can count the ridges on my thumb now because of it. I've taken one picture with Donald Trump. Both of us had our thumbs up. So every commercial was a picture of Elder and Trump side by side with our thumbs up. And the, and the line was always the same. Stop the Republican takeover. Nobody said Gavin Newsom was doing a great job the way he shut down the state in a more severe way than anybody else. Gavin Newsom's doing a great job on education, doing a great job on budget, on crime, on homelessness. They never said that. They just said, stop the Republican takeover. And Republicans are outnumbered in California three to one. And that's all they had to do. Repu- there, ha- there hasn't been a Republican who's won statewide in California in 20 years. Tom, I think there's there's something else too. It was very very interesting. Is as you were rattling off those, and it's because you know them by heart. But I think they're really for people listening. There needs to be kind of a, a more of an understanding here. There were four. Uh, individuals that are in the top four, including two Democrats, to be the replacement candidate. Um, uh, what you're talking about, the number two guy, uh, Kevin Paffrath, was a Democrat. He was yeah. a guy with 9%. So oh, there was okay. people in California that wanted this Dem to replace Gavin Newsom. And when you're talking about 3.5 million votes, hats off to you for that. But when it came for the recall, you got 4.9 million votes. It was 38% in favor of the recall, and you were and you were the recall candidate. So, And the other thing I looked at, and I want to know what you thought about it. You just talked about that they put you with Trump and it was defeat Trumpism and all that. But they also kind of turned it into a monotopic election. It was all about COVID. This is a matter of life and death was actually a COVID ad that they spent more airtime on than any of the other ads, even on the you and Trump. So they created this scare element. Is that how you read it? That's part of it. They said that I was anti-vaccine. 
uh, even though I've been double vaxxed. You said, said that, you said you had been vaxxed. Yeah, on yeah, but I, but I, but I, but I oppose mandates. I oppose the, uh, the the mass mandates. I oppose the vaccine mandates. I oppose the shutdown. So that translated into elder is anti-vax. CNN interviewed me for about a half hour, and uh, I told them that young people are not likely to to get COVID. They're not likely to get really sick. They're not likely to be hospitalized. Not likely to die. But that's not true, according to the CDC. Blah blah blah. Turns out, of course, I was right. Yeah. Uh, nobody said I w- said they were. Nobody apologized. The other thing, though, that happened in this one, as opposed to 2003, in 2003, the Democrat lieutenant governor ran on the replacement side as well, and that took a lot of the vote away from Gray Davis, the then incumbent. So they didn't want did not want to repeat that same mistake. There was some rumor that the two-term former mayor of L.A. Antonio Villaraigosa, a Democrat, was going mm-hmm. to run on the replacement side. And I heard that they made some sort of deal so he wouldn't do it. Had he been in that race, uh, it would have been a different uh, different ballgame. They paid his prior campaign debts was one of the rumors. That's what I heard. But By the way, do I you— I wasn't going to repeat that. Thank you for doing that. Uh-huh. Do, do you regret getting back no, 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 that? No, no, that's my—that's my, that's my, that's BizDoc research. Sue so Tom. BizDoc is wrong, Tom. it's not Larry. Sue Tom, don't sue me. <laughs> uh, are you, are you—at this point, do you regret getting vaxxed or no? You're fine with the decision I, you made. If I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have done it. You wouldn't have my, done my it. My doctor told me I, I am over 65 years old. I'm 71. I know I look good. Black don't crack. <laughs> <laughs> The, the elder, the, the elder, the berry, the sweet of the juice. Yeah. Oh, we went there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hell. Uh, I'm over 65. I have high blood pressure, and I have a rare blood uh, condition. And so, because of these comorbidities, uh, uh, as they're called, he strongly recommended that I get vaccinated. Looking back at it, I, I, I think that, and I did get COVID after getting vaccinated. I think I would have been just fine. So, you, so okay, uh, California. Mm-hmm. Why haven't you left yet? Why are you still in California? This is where I'm from. My friends are there. My my church is there. My memories are there. Um, and frankly, if you are, live in California, you bought a home, say, in the 80s, you're doing very, very well. Your house, house is appreciated like crazy. Uh, I got a lot of equity in my in my home, so I'm living living quite well, uh, as long as I avoid the homeless people and the uh, and the needles. And yeah, I'm serious about that. I live in a very nice place in Hollywood Hills. I could go maybe two or three blocks, and on either side of the street are a bunch of vans full of people who shouldn't Hollywood be living Hills. there. Yeah, Hollywood Hills. Shouldn't be living there. Um, there's a real, real bad homeless problem in, in the area where I live. Um, Antonio Villaraigosa, by the way, after the recall was o- over, said, I've never seen L.A. look so dirty. I've never seen so much homelessness. He didn't say anything during the recall, but he said it afterwards. Uh, it's it's pretty pathetic, um, and the Bay Area is even worse. What happened to it? I mean, it, it, for a guy that's been there your entire life, yeah. I lived there 24 years. Vinny lived there, I don't know how many years. 15 years? Tom, you lived there how many years? 40. 40 years. So we're all California natives. He's a Florida guy. He's actually an Addison guy, Addison, Texas guy, born and raised in Addison, <laughs> Texas. Miami, but but I <laughs> by, love for by, Addison. By, by way of Addison. Yeah. 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 He's so, true. That's trolling me the, right the, the evolution of this great state that every, the California dreaming, right? right? Everybody, mamas and papas, everybody right. wanted to go right. to this place. What happened to it? Single party government, Democrats. Uh, Democrats control the assembly, the Senate. They have two-thirds majority. Uh, Republicans need not even show up for work. They pass one job-killing bill after another, one freedom-sapping bill after another. They're in bed with the teachers' union. They're in bed with the environmentalists. Uh, and they've just passed one law after another that's undermining the middle class. W- very wealthy people can survive. Very poor people can survive. It's the middle class people who are leaving. 
And and, uh, and Larry, the, the average price of a home in, in California is 175 percent above the national average. Think about that. The number one reason that people cite for leaving is they cannot afford to buy a house, mm-hmm. and they have no idea why. They just know they can't afford to buy one. That's why when people leave California and go to places like Colorado and Arizona, uh, they start changing those states because they still vote Democrat because they haven't connected the dots. Huh, they still vote Democrat yeah. when they leave the state? <clears throat> they haven't connected the dots. They don't, they don't know why. All they know is that things are not I, – I can't, I can't get the kind of lifestyle that I want. I can get a better lifestyle in, in this state, that state, mm-hmm. that state, but they have no idea why. Yeah, so they're just attributing it to the cost of living. That's yeah, it. Or, or, or whatever. And wh- how much is the average house in California compared to the national? Uh, I think the average price of a home in California is about 800000 Yep, 741 Look at that. Yeah. Did, did, I didn't insane. even see that, and I did it already. Yeah. Nice. Are you Probably impressed? To, Are you impressed? To back up what uh, Larry's <laughs> talking about, go take a look at the history of Colorado, Phoenix, and Austin. Excuse me, Denver, Phoenix and Austin, it's exactly what he's talking about, where they move in and they turn red to lavender and then blue. I figured it'd be the exact opposite. People leaving California being like, I can't take the restrictions. I can't take the taxes. I can't take the regulation, the homelessness, everything just combined. It's like, I'm out of here. I'm going to go live my life. I'm an independent thinker and move to a state where I can just do me. But you're basically saying, no, they're just going to continue their left-leaning policies, yeah, yeah. even in, uh, in states some that time are in Austin they, they, they have indoctrinated people in California to believe Republicans are just bad people. Gotcha. Uh, and anything Republican is bad. I mean, we're, I'm, I'm pro-life, therefore I'm anti-woman. That's how, that's how, mm-hmm. that's how they phrase it. Um, I believe taxes are too high, therefore I'm for the rich. I mean, that's what they do. And they have, they have indoctrinated a whole generation of, of, of people, young mm-hmm. people in California, to feel that way. Let, let, let me ask this question, Tom. This goes to you and uh, to Larry. So do, do you think, uh, 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 you know, we had teachers protesting against DeSantis here, and they're saying, you know, Florida anti-woke uh, agenda is causing us to want to leave the state of Florida. And, you know, some people in Florida are like, great, go to California, right? Where you belong. Yeah, so, so do, you, <laughs> do you think more uh, uh, Democrats are leaving red states because they can no longer be there and they're finding blue states, or do you think more conservatives, Republicans are leaving blue states, finding red states to go to? I think a little bit of both. But I think that surely the, the red states are the ones that are growing. Uh, you look at, there's a map that shows you where taxes are, taxes are going, uh, and they're going to red states. Uh, I think people feel the schools are better. Uh, there's, there's less regulation, uh, a lower cost of living, greater economic opportunity. So I think both both. Republicans and Democrats are leaving for those reasons. I just think that Democrats have not figured out that there is a reason why these things are are causing you to leave. I, I would I would agree with that. My independent research would say it's probably seven to three. Seven is the conservatives. That are so leaving. Tom's a fact check guy. When you say something, is it that what no, no, Tom's no, no, no. Mr. Wikipedia is what we call it. It's very they're very impressive. No, seriously. Oh well, thank you very yeah. much. Uh, my. My wife got out of college, Cal State Northridge, and uh, she started teaching. So she was at LA Unified, which for other people is oh the, lar- oh is the <laughs> largest school district in the United States, and it's actually too, car- too large to self-manage. And the teachers union there, um, very, very blue, but very, very upset. And these teachers have been leaving, and they've been going to Phoenix, and they've been going to Riverside even, and out to, to areas where they feel that they can get a, that they can be a teacher with a better cost of living. And so my informal analysis of it is I'm seeing eight to two or seven to three, uh, to your question. I, I agree. It's a little and, bit of both. And Tom, I mentioned uh, Villaraigosa earlier, the former mayor of, of L.A. When he was ran, running the first time, his wife um, is a, is a um, teacher at LAUSD. Mm-hmm. 
And he was asked, why don't you have your own kids at LAUSD? I remember you're, this. You're, and you're, the wall in front of his you're house. A big, you're a big proponent of, of public schools. You oppose school choice. And he said, and I quote, I would never sacrifice my kid by putting my kid in an wow. LAUSD school. Wow. And he but I'm not, running for mayor of this fine city. And he, and he did not win because of that comment. Wow. Well, at least he was being honest. At least he's honest, yeah. yeah. At least yeah. he's honest. At least he's not telling the... And by the way, it's so funny you're saying this. We're talking about California. I'm actually really curious. And the reason why I'm asking this question is because which one is outwardly blue, but internally they feel safer in a red state, right? Because think about it. Socialists feel safer in a capitalistic society, right? They don't want to leave this place. If you really feel safer being in a socialist society, go to a socialist country. Why stay in America? So I think more red is willing to leave blue, and I don't think blue leaves red. I think blue feels safer in red while red doesn't feel safer in blue because think, they're not welcome. I think you're making it more complicated than the other. I think it's just a lot of hypocrisy. For example... Uh, there was a study some years ago where uh, government school teachers, that's a term I prefer instead of public school, government school teachers were asked, with school-age kids were asked, where you put your own kids. Nationwide, 10% of us have our kids in private school. 6% of black families do. 49% of Philadelphia public school teachers with school-age kids have their own kids in private school. 39% Chicago public school teachers with school-age kids put their own kids in private school. The head of the Chicago Teachers Union recently said that school choice was racist. <laughs> Her own kid is in private school. I have it's a question. Just, it's just hypocrisy. Let me stay on this. Yeah. By the way, Rank hypocrisy. stats came up j just to uh, yes, uh, 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 Brandon and I were doing this video to see during COVID top 10 highest tax, ta uh, tax states and the bottom lowest tax states. Okay. During COVID, the top 10 highest tax states lost $341 billion of AGI. Okay. Tax revenue. The top 10 right. lost 341. Okay. Guess what the bottom 10 lowest tax states gained? $341 billion. Mm -hmm. Did you understand what, what just happened right there? It's a swap. It's a swap. <laughs> it's like you move $341 billion of money under management at Goldman to Morgan Stanley. That's exactly what happened. So COVID was a great case study for us to see what works, what doesn't work. My concern right now with a state like California, do you think a California, uh, uh, how quickly do you think a California could flip? And if yes, what would be the reason for it to flip? If I knew the answer to that, you'd be talking to me from Sacramento. I don't know. I, I, I liken the average voter in California to a drug addict. you got to hit rock bottom and start, and start rethinking your votes. I've never been a favor, uh, in favor of, of term limits. Uh, I'm now in favor of term limits for voters. If you vote Democrat two or three times, you lose your right to vote. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's you know, funny. I, I, I just thought that at some point— even left-wing voters in California would go, you know what, i, I got to go a different way. But they haven't. When I was running, a, um, the wife of a retired Motown record mogul, uh, she's in her 80s, he's in his 80s, uh, was murdered. He had armed security at his house, some guy who shouldn't have been on the street, one of these life, lifelong criminals, broke into the house, shot and killed her. Uh, a UCLA graduate student uh, was working at a high-end furniture store in an area of L.A. called Hancock Park where Maxine Waters has her mansion. She was stabbed to death by another homeless guy. And I thought maybe at this point, maybe some people on the left might rethink their assumptions, but they haven't. And Larry, what, so, do you, what do you think it is from, from like all those cities? Is it just the indoctrination is so strong? Like if you're living in Chicago, Baltimore, New York, San Francisco, and you're seeing everything, is it just like, listen, we're not going to admit that this is shit. We're going to stick with it because Democrats, they fall on the sword. They stay... Yeah. Loyal to the partners, like no, we're we're good. I, I think it's that it's indoctrination. It's it's 
that plus a belief Republicans are just bad people. Mm-hmm. We just can't. It's not that we disagree about uh, about abortion, about taxes, about spending. We are bad people, fundamentally bad people. They've convinced people that. Way. Well, this goes back to something that we talk about all the time, and that's you know why do people vote? Do they vote for personality or do they vote for policy? I would argue that it's overwhelmingly about personality, right? So you could go the policy argument all you want, right? Taxes, regulation. But if you don't have a charismatic candidate on the left, or on the right mm-hmm. running it, like you're never going to win. It's just not going to happen. People vote I, on I, personality. I don't, I don't see it that way. I, I think people vote mostly on what they perceive to be their best interest. Uh, often they're wrong about that, but they, but they vote on what they perceive to be in their best interest. I think we have to d- give the disclaimer. There's never been a more charismatic candidate than Joe Biden ever oh in my the history God. of <laughs> politics. I, I, I feel charismatic like candidate char- ever. Charismatic, <laughs> and I've never, heard, I've never heard a president. By the way, the- did you see what, can you pull up the clip of what happened to him two days ago where, where even the lady is like, oh, okay, uh, we're, we're done up. with the event, we got to wrap like, it up. Yeah, yeah like, if you can play this, just a yeah. little awkward. Just play this clip right here if you could. This is a must-see uh, TV Look at his eyes. His eyes can't even I mean, open him. Tony He's, Robbins, dude, got nothing on this man. No. This guy, when he speaks, it's, crowds show up. Rob, isn't that the one? But Rob, that's the one. Just play that one. There's a few. That's when he was saying that his campaign staff, fo- he follows the orders of his campaign Which one's staff. the one where the lady this in the is, background says, this is towards the end. Oh, okay, I got you. I got this you. Is, we, talked it, about, we talked about at the conference overall. We talked about stability. We talked about making sure that the third world, the, uh, excuse me. What's he saying? World, the, uh, the, the, uh, the Southern Hemisphere had access to change. It had access. We, it wasn't confrontational at all. You came with me thank, said, thank you, everybody. This ends the count press thank conference. Thanks, everyone. Do you know how disrespectful it is to, in, to just interrupt the president? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think the nursing but, home director but, but had but any guys, choice but, guys, but to guys, speak up. Laugh, laugh all you want. Uh, the student loan forgiveness thing was brilliant. He got a bunch of young people mm-hmm. voting yep. uh, in, the, in the midterms who otherwise wouldn't have voted. Uh, the climate change stuff that young people uh, are fascinated by, uh, it's on his side. Uh, it's, again, about policy. Uh, and and the, the hostility and hatred against Donald Trump, I've never seen anything quite like it. And so Correct. he has all that stuff going for him. Yeah. And, people, and he has the media. And I mean, you always he, the, wonder, guy, the, guy, the guy sits up there and says, I've cut the deficit $1.7 billion. Even the Washington Post called it bottomless Pinocchios, <laughs> meaning you, you repeat a lie so much it becomes propaganda. He says it and gets away with it. You know, you talked about hitting rock bottom, and I, I look for glimpses because, you know, every now and then you see a glimpse in the populace mm-hmm. about what they're doing. And I, I really thought I saw it in um, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania in 2016 when Trump was elected. Because Wisconsin and Michigan, if you want to talk about Rust Belt, you want to talk about what's going on there. Detroit, once upon a time, was Motor City, and yet they're making more pickup trucks in Canada than they were in Detroit. Right. So much had happened in Michigan. It was, it was such—this is even before— um, What's her name? Whitmer went kind of lost mm-hmm. her mind during mm-hmm. COVID. But you look at what the voter did, and I really thought, is there a rock bottom moment finally coming to to Michigan? And Detroit voted pretty blue, but it, not as blue as it had been. And the, and that actually the state went to Trump. So, and Wisconsin a little less so because the the governor Scott Walker had done a pretty good job there. But I thought I saw some glimpses there. Do you see glimpses out there where you I, say, I, "Wow, there's yeah. a little something, maybe something's turning, maybe somebody's rock bottom?" I wish I could say that, but honestly, 7 million illegal aliens are now in the country who who were not here until Biden comes in. 
We've caught hundreds on the terror watch list. Lord knows how many got away with it. Inflation hasn't been this high in 40 years. Uh, interest rates now 7%. Haven't been, haven't been this high in years. Um, people are paying five to $700 a month more for the same goods and services they were paying three years ago. What does it take? <laughs> what does it take? Yeah, I thought it's the economy stupid. Isn't that what Bill Clinton said? The economy is stupid? Yeah. What does it take? Who is better off now than they were three years ago? Raise your hand. Nobody is. No. Nobody is. Gas and still, is down, and still down, the polls show, show, show the race between, mm-hmm. hypothetical race between Trump, Trump and Biden yeah. to be within the margin of error. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Well, that's what does always, it take? And, what does it take? Yeah. But here's the question, though, Larry. How much is attributed to Biden versus just this is the aftermath of COVID? Because this... If COVID never happened, we wouldn't have this high of interest rates. Right. Inflation wouldn't be going up. Trump, like, Trump would have been reelected. I agree. Yeah. I fully agree. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I fully every stat you just said is absolutely correct. Right. Inflation, housing, but the vast majority of it is due to COVID. Wouldn't you agree? All I'm saying is the average voter, in my opinion, should be looking at Joe Biden and and, and go WTF? I'm paying all of this. I'm paying forty percent more for gasoline prices. Uh, there are 7 million people in the country illegally. Lord knows how many of them are terrorists. That, to me, ought to be enough. Mm-hmm. It isn't. And I don't know what that is. I think it's, I think it's the, the hostility against Republicans in general mm-hmm. and Donald Trump in particular. And, and how, br- how brilliant is the left at demonizing him so much right. that mm-hmm. it's like we don't care – we don't give a damn about all the problems that you just mentioned. At least it's not that orange Hitler guy. And That's this, their and attitude. This, and this two-tiered system of justice ought to be upsetting everybody. Are you, are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future? I, I'm cautiously pep- pessimistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How's that? Uh, I'm, I'm worried, quite worried. I mean, look at this two-tiered system of justice. You've got Donald Trump. Let's just take the January 6th indictment. He's being indicted because essentially his lawyers made the argument that the vice president has more than ceremonial duties on the first week following an election. The same argument Democrats make at, made after 2000 when they tried to decertify Florida, same argument Democrats made after 2004 when they tried to decertify Ohio. There were 30 House uh, Democrats plus Barbara Boxer, including Benny Thompson, the chair of the January 6th Insurrection Committee, hmm. all joining to decertify Ohio because they argued that the Debold voting machine had been tampered with. Where have we heard that before? 2016, they challenged more states than Donald Trump did after 2020. Nobody accused them of being election deniers. Nobody prosecuted them. And their lawyers were not facing disbarment. This is just madness. And it seems to me, where's the ACLU when you need them? Where's the, where's the left? And, and, and this Hunter Biden, Joe Biden stuff... Uh, Woodward Bernstein, I'm young enough to remember that, in the, in the 70s, they, they went nuts over Nixon. Richard Nixon. And Nixon didn't do it for, for, for greed. Uh, he was trying to cover up the um, break-in of, of Watergate because he had a bunch of, uh, a bunch of his aides who got involved in that. And Daniel Ellsberg, psychiatrist. Right. Minor uh, things. And, and, These weren't and, huge. And uh, Woodward, Woodward uh, it's still there. He's still at the Washington Post. He's an executive there. And, and Carl Bernstein is still around. Where are these guys? Nobody seems to care. It, it, I'm... I'm I'm blown away where the country is right now. I really am. Half the country believes the other, other half is evil. No, you're absolutely right. And young people, when I say young people, if you're in college right now, you probably don't remember the 2000 election because that's 23 years ago. So if you're a 22-year-old college student right now, you probably don't even remember 2000. Gore pushed that case to the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about election denier. It took us, was it 12 or 13 weeks to actually like determine that. the election, and it had to get to the U.S. Supreme Court, and it wasn't Bush pushing that. And, and Tom, talk about election denying. Hillary referred <laughs> to Donald Trump for the entirety of his presidency as 
illegitimate, her word, not mine, said the election was stolen, her word, not mine. Jay Johnson is Obama's DHS secretary, testified under oath that while the Russians tried, they failed to change a single vote tally in 2016. Two-thirds of Democrats believe, according to a YouGov poll, that the Russians, quote, changed vote tallies, close quote, to elect Donald Trump. Zero evidence to change any. A greater percentage of Democrats believe 2016 was stolen than we feel that way by 2020. Nobody calls them election deniers. Yeah. And he, all, it's all, such a double standard. Yeah, and all Hillary and the DNC got was like a $170,000 slap on the wrist for the whole Russian collusion yeah, well, dossier. Well, H- whole H- Hillary and the DNC paid for the Steele dossier, <laughs> and the FEC fined them yep. uh, because they characterized it as a legal expense. Exactly. Donald Trump characterized the Stormy Daniel thing as a legal expense. He's facing criminal charges by the, <laughs> by the Manhattan DA. Yeah. It's outrageous. What do you think, what do you think is going to end up happening on Trump? Nothing. Okay. So I, th- I think he's going to get... I think he's probably going to get nominated. Uh, if he gets nominated, he'll get elected, and he'll pardon himself. But wait a minute. You also said that Larry Elder on Trump, uh, you said this a few months ago. I'm not sure he's electable. You said he's nominatable, but he's not electable. So your position's changing in three months. I feel more strongly now that he can win because of the what they've done to him uh, with, the, uh, with all these indictments. So it's changed in three months. I just feel more strongly. Um, Look, he, he was a great president. The economy was rocking and rolling. Uh, the, the borders has never been more secure. We got all the judges that we wanted up there. Uh, built, built the wall. Uh, we're oil and gas independent. Uh, he was a great president, and he'll hopefully put those policies back into place when he comes back. Yeah, I feel more strongly now than I did before. How will he pivot to the center? You know, they fam- I think Nixon was famously said that, you know, you run to the right, and then you pivot to the center. Same with the d- yeah. Democrats, right. you run to the left. right. So I, I fully agree that Trump is going to be the nominee. And I also, despite popular opinion, I think Sleepy Joe is also going to be the guy. I think we're going to see what happens during that debate. I, I, think, I think he will, will be the guy. If he can fog up a mirror, he'll be the guy. And, I if, and if he's not, it'll be Kamala so, Harris. So when, oh, God forbid. No, no, um, no. I mean, I, I don't know why people feel that somehow somebody else is going to sneak in like that. Even Gavin Newsom just the other day said, yeah. uh, I'm not going to run in 2024. Uh, Kamala Harris is, uh, is next in line. And I've been saying that for months. He played coy because, mm-hmm. look, the strongest part of the Democratic base are black voters. And even more strong are black female voters. And they love Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. And they feel that uh, when we make fun of her cackle, it's both sexist and racist. Mm-hmm. They feel that Joe Biden's given her thankless tasks like getting to the bottom of, of uh, illegal immigration. Uh, they feel she's been mistreated. Mm-hmm. And if she is perceived as having been dropkicked for a white dude like Gavin Newsom or Mayor Pete, mm-hmm. black women won't vote Republican. They just won't vote, thereby guaranteeing whoever our nominee is, he or she will win. So they can't afford to do that. And Gavin Newsom knows that. That's why he never never announced. But let's stay on Trump because I think okay. Kamala is a non-factor. But that's my opinion. All right, I know what you just said. But How can she be a non-factor? If Joe, Biden can't, if, if Joe Biden can get across the finish line, as soon as he gets across the finish line, he hands over the baton to her. And she could run. I just don't think she's electable. But I want to stay on Trump, okay. if you don't mind. Um, so w- when he's going to pivot to the center. They're stuck, they're stuck with her. That, that's I, my I point. don't think yeah. you understand what you, you, you understand what he's saying. Right? I understand completely. That, yeah. He's saying he's going to win. Then he's going to give it to her so she can stay for eight and years. One, one more, well, that's it's what not he's an saying. anointment. Like it's yeah, it's going to be an election. One, one more, Holy. No, but yeah. what he's one, saying is one, Biden's one more going to win. Then hand it over. This is important about the gender and identity pol- uh, uh, pol- party, which is a Democratic party. Yeah, their DEI when, score when, is very high. When, uh, when Clyburn got behind Joe Biden South after, Carolina. after uh, uh, Bernie Sanders won the Nevada caucuses, yep. for a few days he was a front runner. They were scared to death. 
He's a self-described uh, 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 Democrat socialist, and they, they knew he couldn't win. Not so, controllable. So, so James Clyburn gets off the sideline on the eve of the South Carolina primary, endorses Biden. They all fell in line. He extracted a promise from Biden that his first nominee would be a black female. His vice president, black female. For a time, it looked like Dianne Feinstein might not finish out her term in California. And uh, Gavin Newsom publicly said, if she can't finish it out, I will nominate a black female. They're all about black. This is the year of the black female. Mm -hmm. And they got a black female now, next in line after Biden. And she's dropkick for a white person. Black women will be livid. And they will not vote. They won't vote Republican. They just won't vote. Well, I think, a, I think a lot of black people are going to black women are going to be upset because right. I don't think Kamala is electable. But how will Trump pivot to the center and actually win the election? Because you just hit the nail on the head as, as old and decrepit as Joe Biden is as, with all the lingering issues with with Trump, which I think are a lot of uh, the media and the Justice Department basically doing this, um, how will he pivot to the center and win over independent voters or even moderate Democrats? I think what he's going to do is not uh, uh, run with a female. I'm not, I'm not quite sure who it'll be, but Kim Reynolds maybe of Iowa or Christy Noem of South Dakota. Uh, but or maybe even Carrie Lake, but it's so going to be it's going to be a female. You think that's that's how he's going to pivot? I can't, to the I can't think of anything else he gotcha. can do. I mean, we all know what he's about. Mm -hmm. What can he say now? He can't right. reinvent himself. He is who he is. He is what he is. So I think what he can do though is nominate a female. What about a strong black man like Larry Elder as the VP? It, it, Talk to me know, about I, that, Larry. I, I've told people if my phone rings and Trump's on the other end, I won't let it go to voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> I think your phone's ringing right now, Larry. Yeah. But, but but he's not going to do that. I, I that would not be the smart move. I, I can't bring California to him. Yeah, uh, I'm not in a swing state, and he doesn't need to have another man. He needs he needs to have a female. Uh, and, and Unfortunately, that's the way politics works. And Larry, not to go conspiracy theory because Adam loves when I I'm a coincidence. There's <laughs> you guy. know when they say I'm not yeah, going to yeah, go yeah, here, they're, they're going, going right there. Yeah, it's like when, He's when, going when, right when there. they say it's not about the money. It's yeah, about it's the about money. money. It's like it's when the money. a cop says yeah. there's nothing to see here. There's, there's definitely, definitely something to see. I signed a 300 million dollar contract for 10 years, but it's not about the money. Yeah, oh no, no. But but Larry, because I mean, as you said with the left. With 2016, with Hillary from weaponizing the FBI and everything is against Trump, Adam made a good point that he is obviously it's obvious he's, he's the front runner. Do you think the left has anything up their sleeves? I'm just saying in the sense that we keep getting warmed about pandemic tools coming from Fauci, mm -hmm. from from Biden. Everybody keeps saying, hey, they're warning us. They're testing right. out the, the, the new vaccine, this new variant to test. Do you think, because mind you, election year, Donald Trump is probably going down as one of the best statistic uh, policy presidents ever. All of a sudden, in an election year, a couple months before, Larry, right. a virus comes out of a lab that we own, and they still have zero accountability because it's still it, racist. It, was, it, it wasn't just that. Also, 51 former intelligence officials signed a letter saying that the Hunter Biden laptop story had all the earmarks of Russian disinformation, two-and-a-half-year collusion thing, yeah. using COVID to change the rules in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Yep. Uh, who knows what they're going to do? Exactly. That's but, what I was going to ask. But, but they're going to do something. Some, something is up to, uh, something right. is happening to keep, because apparently the game plan of keeping Joe Biden up in the basement so, works. So here's my, here's my question for you. You, you. you don't sound optimistic. You said you're cautiously pessimistic, right? right? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if the voices of any party to be cautiously pessimistic encourage that party to want to go above and beyond. It's kind of like it's halftime. You're down three touchdowns, and a coach comes in and says, guys, I'm pessimistic. We're going to lose today. It's going to be a pretty bad loss, and uh, you're all going to be you know, embarrassed at the end of it. It's going to be terrible, and then boom. 
you know, Patriots come out from down 28-3 against the Falcons and, and they the, win the Super the Bowl. The Jets won last night without without well, Aaron yeah, Rodgers. But, 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 what, but what I'm saying, what I'm saying to you is, you know, to say cautiously pessimistic and to sound like everything is bad, everything is ugly, everything is this, everything is that, great. Well, what solution do you have for the rich Republicans of the right, for the Christian conservatives, for the libertarians that are also not happy about what's going on, about the business owners, about the guys that have the money? What what should be the well, solution long term? Well, that's why fight against that's it? why I am running. I am running because I I'm an America first guy. I believe that taxes are too too high, regulation is too much. Uh, we need to secure the borders. We need to get need to get back to energy independence. Uh, I was a very happy camper when Donald Trump was uh, was president, and um, we need to work real hard to make sure if he's a nominee, he gets back in. But I'm running because there are a number of issues that we are not talking enough about, if at all. And I've said this many times. The number one social issue in America that nobody's talking about uh, is the epidemic of fatherlessness. Yep. Uh, it is particularly acute in the black community. Seventy percent of black kids in the world today without a father in the home married to the mother are from 1965 when it was, uh, when it was uh, 25%. Now 25% of white kids enter the world today without a father in the home married to the mother. Half of the Hispanic kids do. It is far and away the number one social problem facing this country. And the numbers are clear. When you're raised without a dad, you're five times more likely to be poor and commit crime. Nine times more likely to drop out of school and 20 times more likely to end up in jail. And the left isn't talking about it because they created the problem. Our side doesn't talk about it because if you're white, you're going to be called racist. If you're black, you'll be called uh, Uncle Tom or the black face of white supremacy. But nobody, but nobody's talking about it, including Donald Trump. Okay. And so, and so uh, if I can get people talking about this, uh, I've, I will feel I've given back to my country and given back to my party. I got a follow up question for you on that. Okay. Continue if you have other things yeah, you yeah, want to say. Yeah, just one more thing. When I was trying to make this case on, uh, on Charlemagne, and of course they were not having it, here's the deal. Um, according to the CDC, a young black man aged 10 to 43 is 13 times more likely to be murdered than a white male, same demo. Blacks account for 60% of the shootings, robberies, and the homicides in America. A young white man, 19 and under, the number one cause of preventable death for a young white man in that demo is accidents, like car accidents or drownings or drug overdoses. The number one cause of preventable death for a 19-year-old black male and under is homicide, almost always committed by another young black male. Now, if it isn't fatherlessness, please tell me, unless you're prepared to say black people are just genetically inclined to commit more crime, tell me what it is. And almost nobody on the left, when I propose that question, has an answer for it. Okay. So the two questions on that. Mm-hmm. One, let's do the fatherless. Um, a, a lot of my friends who are conservative, you're a hero to them. We're from California, so people love you, admire you, adore you, and hate you. From the other side, they hate you. Obviously, right. you saw what the L.A. Times article right. called you the, the what? What do they call the you? Face the of black, white, face of, yeah. black face of white yeah. supremacy. Right? You can kind of pull up this L.A. Times article. But then I saw I saw uh, Erica D. Smith are her initials. Oops. Yeah, and then I saw the article, uh, one that said you know you were I think you were married in '92 and then divorced in '94, and the story is she wanted to have kids, you didn't want to have kids, right? And you've never had kids. Right. Why a man with your kind of values, your passion for America, your conservative values? Why didn't you have kids? At the time, I didn't want them. Uh, one of my regrets in life is that uh, I should have. Now I'm 71 and think it's too late. But at the time I didn't. I mean, I was I was I mean I was 25 years old uh, at one time. I'm not I'm not that age anymore. And when I was younger, I, I think what happened is when I was younger, I really intensely disliked my father. 
I've wrote, written a book about it called Dear Father, Dear Son, Two Lives, Eight Hours. My father used to spank us really hard with a, with a belt. My brothers and I both disliked him. And um, now I'm 25 years old, um, and I sat down and had a conversation with my dad, not having really spoken to him for almost 10 years. And I told him how much I disliked him when I was growing up, how, how mean I thought he was, how angry I thought he was for, for silly reasons. And my dad and I had a conversation I thought was going to last for five or ten minutes. It ended up lasting for eight hours. Wow. And during that eight-hour conversation, I found out that my father never knew his biological father. My last name, Elder, is not the name of his biological father. And I said, I'm 25 years old now. I said, well, Dad, who's your, who was your father? He says, I have no idea. You never met your dad? No. Who was Elder? Elder was the name of a guy who was in my, my life the longest. He was an alcoholic who used to beat up my mother, and when I tried to stop him, he'd beat me up. My dad said, then I came home at the age of 13, and I started quarreling with his mom, my mom's then-boyfriend. Elder was long gone. And the mother sided with the boyfriend and threw my father out of the house, never to return. 13-year-old black boy, Athens, Georgia, Jim Crow South at the beginning of the Great Depression. For the next eight hours, my dad just told me about his life. He uh, became a Pullman porter in the trains. That's how he ended up in California. This is before the war, before the Second World War. My dad was blown away. You could walk through the front door of a restaurant in California, in L.A., and get served. He always had crackers and tin cans of tuna because he never knew in the South if he'd be able to get a meal. So my dad made a mental note, maybe someday I'll relocate to California. Pearl Harbor, my dad joined the Marines. I asked him why. If there are any Marines out there, you know what I'm going to say. Two reasons. They go where the action is, and my dad said, I love the uniforms. So he's stationed on Guam, uh, and when the war is over, he goes to Chattanooga, Tennessee, where he met and married my mom to get him a job as a cook. My dad was in charge of cooking for the colored soldiers. And he was told, we don't hire niggers. He goes to an unemployment office. Lady says, you went through the wrong door. My dad goes out, sees colored only, goes to that door to the very same lady who sent him out. My dad came home with my mom and said, this is BS. I'm going to L.A., get me a job as a cook, uh, and I'll send for you. So he goes to L.A. He walks around, and he's told, you don't have any references. My dad said, I need references to make ham and eggs. <laughs> and... Uh, my dad offered to work for free for a reference. They wouldn't even do that. So they treated him the same way in L.A. as they did in Chattanooga, maybe a little more polite. He goes to an unemployment office, this time just one door. Lady says, I have nothing. My dad says, what time do you open? She says, nine. What time do you close? She says, fine. My dad said, I'll be sitting in that chair. Do you have something? My dad sat in a chair for a whole day, came back the next day, sat there for half a day. She calls him up. I have something. I don't know if you're going to want it. My dad said, of course I'm going to want it. I'm starting a family. What is it? And she said it's a job cleaning toilets at Nabisco brand bread. My dad did that for over 10 years, took a second full-time job cleaning at another bread company, cleaning toilets, cooked for a family on the weekend because he wanted my mom to be a stay-at-home mom, and he went to night school to get his GED, and then when he got his GED, he went to night school to learn how to operate a small restaurant. The man never slept. Five minutes here, 15 minutes here, 20 minutes here, half hour here, Not, not day after day, not week after week, not month after month, but year after year, which was why he was so grouchy. So as my dad is telling me this, my dad's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I'm getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and now I'm crying. And I apologized to my father for having such a harsh view towards him. And he said, there's nothing to apologize for. You just didn't know. My father said, just follow the advice I've always given you and your brothers. Hard work wins. You get out of life what you put into it. Larry, you cannot control the outcome, but you are 100% in control of the effort. And before you moan or groan about what someone did to you or said to you, go to the nearest mirror, look at it, and say to yourself, what could I have done to change the outcome? And finally, my dad said this, no matter how hard you work, how good you are, sooner or later, bad things are going to happen to you. How you deal with those bad things will tell your mother and me if we raised a man. I was 25 years old when I had that conversation with him. For the next 35 years, he and I were the best of friends. 
I wrote a book called Dear Father, Dear Son, Two Lives, Eight Hours, about that eight-hour conversation. And it's changed people's lives. I get letters all over the world from people telling me that it changed that. So, 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 so ingrained in me was I never wanted to have a child that felt the way I felt about my dad. And it was just in me. And uh, it took a while for that to go away. By the way, my brothers both married women who had kids. And they both wanted to have kids. And I had the opposite act, reaction to my dad, as my brothers did. Let me tell you something real quickly about my mom. My mom was born on a farm in Huntsville, Alabama. And my mom was a lifelong Democrat. My dad was a lifelong Republican. And you should have been a fly on the wall to hear some of the arguments. <laughs> but nobody called anybody a fascist. Nobody called anybody a Nazi. Nobody said, you only care about the rich. You don't care about the poor. They were able to argue aggressively, passionately, but nobody demeaned, demeaned anybody. And why we can't do that in this country to me is, is, uh, is a real problem. And when I become president, I think I'm going to be able to change the tone of America so we can have discussions like this, like we're having here, civilly, without anybody calling anybody a fascist or a Nazi. My mother told my brothers and me, Nobody can make you feel inferior without your permission. And so one day I'm in high school and I'm taking a course called African-American studies. If you know me, you've never heard me use the term African-American to describe myself. I don't. I'm I'm an American who's black. I don't like the term African-American. The name of the course was African-American studies. So I'm just telling you what the name of the course was. So we read a poem by a guy named County Cullen. And it goes like this. While riding through old Baltimore, so small and full of glee, I saw a young Baltimorean keep a looking straight at me. Now, I was young and very small, and he was no whit bigger, and so I smiled, but he poked out his tongue and called me nigger. I saw the whole of Baltimore from May until September. Of all the things that happened there, that's all that I remember. Teacher was pissed. My class was all black. Uh, She talked about how this was going to make the kid always feel inferior. He was going to always have a a permanent stain in his psyche. He'll never feel part of the American family. She was pissed. The class was pissed. I was pissed. So I'm walking home. And I knew my mom was going to have a different reaction to the poem, although I didn't know what it was going to be. So I walk into the house, and she's uh, frying chicken wings, my favorite, and stirring a big pot of greens on the stove. I said, Mom, I, we read a poem in class. I want to get your reaction to it. She said, what is it? I said, it goes like this. While riding through a Baltimore, so small and full of glee, I saw a young Baltimorean keep looking straight at me. Now, I was young and very small, and he was no whit bigger, and so I smiled. But he poked out his tongue and called me nigger. I saw the whole of Baltimore from May until September, of all the things that happened there, that's all that I remember. My mom took the spoon out of the pot, hit it on the side, and said, Larry, what a darn shame he allowed something like that to spoil his vacation. How many wings do you want? Oh. And that's... And that's God, and your mom's a Democrat. Yeah. yeah wow. But but she was a Kennedy-type Democrat. My mom, by the way, because of me, began voting Republican. She voted for George W. Bush twice. Uh, and her position was the Democratic Party left me. I didn't leave the Democratic Party. Mm. She never changed her registration. My mom was a, a pro-gun person, Second Amendment person. She grew up, she grew up with guns. Uh, she was pro-life. My dad was pro-life. Um, my mom, uh, strong national security. Um, and uh, she thought Democrats just became just crazy. So I think that's how Robert Kennedy feels, I think, about his party as well right now, Robert Kennedy Jr., Larry, you just went straight to Robert Kennedy, but man, what you just said the last five, 10 minutes now explains, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of men that, and I'd be curious to know what you would say to this. You're now, you said you're 70 or 71? 71. Okay. So you're se- April 27th. When's your birthday? That's right. April, April 27th. 27th. Yeah. yeah. So you're 70, 71. Of course. You haven't had kids. You wish you would have had kids. Mm-hmm. And, and I respect you for saying it now because that's where wisdom, we can borrow wisdom from somebody like you who's got a few decades on us. 
What do you say to men who are in their 20s, late 20s, career guys, or 30s, or 40s, who are like, you know what? You know, I, I also don't want to have kids. I also don't want to have kids because it's too much responsibility. I don't have a good father figure. I don't have a good relationship with them. What do you say to them? You're going to regret it. That's what I'd say to them. Um, I have friends now, peers, who have uh, kids uh, and they've got grandkids. And I've never seen a man more joyful than when he's with his grandkids. And I don't have grandkids. Uh, I don't have kids. Um, I think you're missing out. What about women? How, how, however, however, it isn't um, for everybody. My girlfriend never wanted to have kids. When I first met her, I thought she was saying it because she thought that's what I wanted her to say. Um, one of my close friends is Dennis Prager. Dennis Prager has often argued that you are not a fully developed human being until you've had kids, until you've had that experience. And I've been on the same station with Dennis Prager for years. And every year he'd have his dad come in from New York and his dad would talk about various things. And one time Dennis gets up to use the restroom. This is during a break. And Mr. Prager is there with me, Dennis's dad. I said, Mr. Prager, Dennis says that if you don't have kids, you're not fully formed as an adult. Because it always bothered me since I didn't have kids. <laughs> and Mr. Prager said, I don't feel that way at all. I feel that you can just observe other people and uh, have your own life experiences from other people. There's no reason why you have to have kids if you don't want to have kids. It's, it's ridiculous to say that you would not be a fully adult. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I told Dennis <laughs> later on when his dad left what his dad said. So... Typical father, yeah. you know. I remember one time Dudley, Shepherd of the Hills, you know who Dudley Rutherford is, the, the pastor from L.A. I used to uh, have a radio show with KKLA, KRLA called Save in America. I used yeah. to be right next to Prager, so in Glendale on that New York Life, right next to the New York Life building. Right. But uh, Dudley used to bring his father, and his dad would always undermine what Dudley would say. It was so funny. He'd say, look, my son doesn't know what he's talking about. Here's how this works. Right. And it was an interesting dynamic father-son relationship. Let, let's, let's continue. Let's continue on this um, you know, issue with uh, uh, presidential uh, uh, issues you're running on. I did not see you at Milwaukee. We were at the debate. <laughs> yeah. And I know you're talking about... I, I was in Milwaukee. You were in Maho I, Milwaukee. I was in the city of Milwaukee. I was not at the debate because the RNC at the last minute uh, uh, shafted me. I mean, I, I met all the debate criteria, 40,000 individual donors. You and Suarez, I believe. Suarez, I don't know about his situation. Right. I just know about mine. Uh, I, I hit the 40,000 individual donors. Uh, 200 had to come from 20 different states. We had 200 from 37 different states. I had to submit three polls where I was at 1% or better. I did that. I get a phone call from Ronald McDaniel, the chair of the GOP, and David Bossy, the debate czar, and they tell me I'm not eligible for the debate because one of the, one of the polls I submitted uh, is not going to be used. I said, which one? Rasmussen. Why? It's affiliated with the Trump campaign. I said, well, assuming that's true, why is that my problem? And they said any poll affiliated with any candidate can't be used by any other candidate. Rasmussen then put out a statement and said Trump is not affiliated with our campaign. With our, with our poll, had nothing to do with our poll. There's no reason why Elder can't use it. So even if I, even if I had picked up the phone and called Rasmussen before I submitted the poll and said, by the way, are you affiliated with Trump? They would have said no. Then I submitted a fourth poll, and Ron and McDaniel said you submitted it too late. Well, it's true. I submitted it after their deadline. One, I didn't know I needed to submit a, a, another one. But more importantly, they finished their polling before the deadline. They didn't release the results until after the deadline, but they finished the polling before the deadline. So there was enough wiggle room where, in my opinion, had they wanted me up there, they could have allowed me up there. My lawyer is the former chair of the Federal Election Commission, and he argues that because the RNC failed to apply the criteria fairly to Elder, what they did, in effect, was give an in-kind contribution to the eight people who were up there on that debate stage. 
and the value of that in-kind contribution based on how much Fox charges for a spot is almost $100 million. And if you don't put Elder up there, uh, we gave them until 2 o'clock on the debate day to change their mind, we're going to file a complaint with the FEC. Well, 2 o'clock came and went, and we've now filed that complaint. Now the next step is to get on the debate stage on the 27th of this month in Reagan uh, Library. The Reagan Library, yeah. 3% in three different polls plus 50,000 individual donors. As for the 50,000 individual donors, that's not going to be a problem. But the 3% is. And two days ago, we launched a $500,000 ad campaign to try and get my numbers up. I saw that. So it's going to be a coin toss. Larry, out of, out of, uh, I'm pretty sure you saw it, uh, the, that the first debate. If you had to choose, if you if you weren't even in the in, in, on in the race, right. who, if you had to pick out of all of them, I'm pretty sure you saw who would you who would you put who, at the who, top? Who won? Who who won that night? Don, who, Donald Trump. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Still, I'm serious. Yeah. By, by not going, that was smart not to go. Um, I thought, and I and I felt this way when I ran for governor. I did not say a single negative thing about any of my Republican rivals. Mm-hmm. Not one time. Uh, I shot right to the top, and it wasn't because I was a front-runner. I didn't expect that, but I was. I felt that the target was Gavin Newsom. Remember, it was a two-part deal. The first part is, do you want this man recalled? It doesn't matter what happens on the second part if he isn't recalled. And every single time somebody said, what do you think about John Cox? John Cox was the guy that ran against Gavin Newsom the first time, and he also ran as a replacement candidate. I said, it's not about John Cox. It's about what what Gavin Newsom did by shutting down California in a more severe way than anybody else. It's about people leaving California for the very first time in 170 years. It's about crime. It's about homelessness. It's about the awful school budget. It's about how bad our schools are doing. It's about uh, the fact that we are under, we have an underfunded pension liability of $1.5 trillion in California. If the others had said that, instead of saying, well, elders this, elders that, elders that, I think the first part might have passed. So I feel the same way about this debate. We ought to all come together, meaning Republicans, and make sure that Biden doesn't get four more years. The idea that we can't at least agree not to call Donald Trump an insurrectionist, as one of them did up there, you got to be kidding me. We can't agree on the borders, on, on, uh, on, on crime, on this defund the police nonsense. We ought to be talking about that. And the fact that the Republicans were taking shots at each other, in my opinion, that Donald Trump won. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, and calling the, the insurrections. I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, Kamala Harris did a speech about 9-11, and she compared January 6th yeah, it's, to it's Pearl Harbor and 9-11. It's despicable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was ridiculous. The but second you, debate that Trump may or may not go to, uh, A, do you think he should go? And B, why do you think that, that even the DeSantis's, certainly the Pence's of the world, the Chrissy's of the world, even Nikki Haley, mm-hmm. are not going to coalesce around Trump? You know, I'd be the biggest hypocrite in the world if I were to tell Donald Trump he should go to the second debate or even the first one. I didn't go to any of my debates when I was running for governor. They had about a half a dozen of them. And I said the same thing I just said to you. I said there's no point in us getting into a circular firing squad Mm -hmm. and giving Gavin Newsom video he's going to use against whoever it is who's the front runner. And that's exactly what, what, in my opinion, happened. Um, Look, Chris Christie uh, is probably the only one up there that I think I, I would feel I, I would feel I feel that any of the eight people up there is a better president than Joe Biden, with the exception of Chris Christie. Hmm. The the fact that he's referred to Donald Trump as an insurrectionist uh, and can't understand that what's happening to our country with this two tier system of justice is much more important than your hostility towards Donald Trump. I don't understand that. What are your thoughts on Vivek? I know that you've said high praise about him. You also said that he stole a line from you about well, the, the number one problem. He did. What um, are his chances? Look, the 800-pound the grill in the room is, is, is Donald Trump. He's not going anywhere. 
Um, you know, if, unless he has a health problem or something like that, I can't imagine that uh, that he's not going to get the nomination right now. Um, I, I have a problem with anybody who stands up there and says, quote, I'm the only one up here who's not bought and paid for, close quote, which is what he said, Vivek said. Really? Mm-hmm. Tim Scott's bought and paid for? Really? 37 years old, never run for office before, you're the only one who's not bought and paid for? I thought that was a bit much. Regarding him stealing my line, here's, here's the back story. On one of our, you know, we've been in, in Iowa, New Hampshire many times. I've seen him speak many times. He's heard me speak many times. He's never once referred to the epidemic of fatherlessness. So right before the first debate, he comes up to me at one of our events, I forget where, and he says, can, we, can I talk to you privately? I said, sure, step into my office. We went over to the side a little bit. And he said, if you don't make the debate, will you endorse me? And I said, I cannot promise that. I can tell you this, if I don't make the debate, say something to the effect of, my friend Larry Elder can't be up here. However, he has brought to the forefront the issue of the epidemic of fatherlessness, and I salute him for having done that. As you know, he said part of that, but did not give me any attribution. I'm okay with the fact that he's raised the issue. That's much more important than getting attribution, but he did say he was going to do that and then didn't do it. By the way, by the way for, for decades, I have been saying we've got a country to save. Guess who said that during the debate? Nikki Haley. Quote, we've got a country to save. Just saying. So it sounds like you're going to be sort of the president so, whisperer so, so, at yeah, this so, point. So I, I, was, I was there in spirit, if, yeah, not, if, yeah. not, if, if, if not in body. What is this, Rob? Uh, this is a clip of Larry talking about yeah. the fatherless epidemic. Go ahead and play that. Play that. Epidemic of fatherlessness. So part of the problem is we also have a federal government that pays single women more not to have a man in the house than to have a man in the house, contributing to an epidemic of fatherlessness. Larry, you might, you might have to just do the voiceover uh-huh. first. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> Rob, what's this? Yeah. Yeah. This, this is the GOP Lincoln. That's all they, but we're, <laughs> look, I think Vivek is all of us spoke. I think Vivek is an absolute stud, but this isn't the first time he's been, he's been of accused of stealing lines. He, obviously, his first line was, you know, I'm a skinny little kid with yeah. a funny last name. He took so, that from so, Obama. From Obama yeah. But, you know, they say, like, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Can it just be seen as, like, look, I'm just using what works. Right. And can you blame him? Somebody once said, uh, originality is the art of concealing your source. So, <laughs> and Joe Biden, as you know, he had at least one or two campaigns go supernova because he stole from other people, didn't, didn't uh, give them attribution. Well, even Donald Trump took Make America Great Again from, from, from Ronald from, from Reagan. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, some of these things are just duplicatable. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, agree to agree yeah. then. Well, yeah. What are your thoughts on RFK? What are your no thoughts on RFK? Uh, I, I think he's um, got some interesting ideas. I mean, he's not your typical Democrat, but he is a Democrat. He is. Uh, I've not heard him say anything about taxes being too high, regulations being too high. I've never heard him say anything about we should be rolling back this march towards single payer on health care. Uh, so he's still a Democrat, uh, although he's a much more rational one than some of the others. He was opposed to the lockdowns. Uh, he um, said that he doesn't believe any additional gun control law will will do anything about gun violence, although he does support a assault weapons ban. So he's a little more rational than the average Democrat, but he's still a Democrat. He's still a Democrat. Still a Democrat. And you saw what they did with New Hampshire. The, pretty much there's nothing he can do to be nominated, to to win anything. They pretty much locked him out. So if that's the case, why is he still campaigning? You have to ask him. I mean, they, people run for different reasons. I mean, uh, I'm realistic about my opportunity to become president. I think that uh, it's a long shot, but I'm running for the issues I mentioned, you know, to talk about homelessness and fatherlessness rather. 
and the lie that America is systemically racist that's getting people killed. Um, and I don't think our side, if, by the way, effectively deals with that uh, well enough. Um, it's not just driving nonsense like reparations. Uh, I mentioned that, which I consider to be the extraction of money from people who never slave owners to be given to people who never slaves. It's driving stuff like uh, uh, race-based preferences and, and DEI. It's getting people killed. It's called the Ferguson effect or the George Floyd effect, and that's a phenomenon of cops pulling back all over America for fear of being accused of systemic racism. As a result, in city after city after city, there are lots of people who are dead who otherwise wouldn't be dead if the police were doing their normal proactive policing. And I don't think that our side, meaning Republican side, is calling enough attention to the damage done by this lie. Look at the George Floyd riots or the Black Lives Matter riots that took place in protests in, in May of of 2020 lasted four months. Most deadly uh, protests in the history of America. 35 people killed, 2,000 police officers injured, about $2 billion in property damage, uh, insured property damage, maybe another billion or two in uninsured property damage, all because of an assumption, a narrative that what happened to George Floyd had to do with his race. Now, the, tr the thing was televised, remember? And the lead prosecutor was a black man, and he never once said that what happened to George Floyd had anything to do with his race. In fact, in his opening statement, he took pains to say the police in general were not on trial. The Minneapolis PD in general was not on trial. In fact, he praised them. He said this individual cop, Derek Chauvin, is on trial for what he did or didn't do to, to George Floyd. Yet all these people in the streets on the assumption that what happened to George Floyd had to do with his race. Now, I think if you were to, to, to ask most of the people, there were 200 cities that had protests, millions of people in the streets. I think if you were to ask most of these people to describe their political ideology, most of them would probably say that I'm either very liberal or liberal. There's a website called policemag.com. This is important. People who were self-described as very liberal were asked, how many unarmed black men did the police kill in 2019? One half of, uh, of the self-described very liberal people, 50% of them, thought the police killed 1,000 unarmed black men in 2019. 8% thought they killed 10,000. What? Uh, of those yeah. who were self-described as liberal, 39% thought they killed 1,000. 5% thought they killed 10,000. According to the Washington Post database, it was 12. That's, was That's the yeah. gap between what people think is going on versus what is going on. That's what happens to your mentality. To be fair, not 12,000 or 1,200. 12. 12. Well, yeah. 12. Washington Post database. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, the police kill more unarmed white people every year than they kill unarmed blacks. And there are video of the police mishandling, manhandling, mistreating unarmed white people. Nobody cares. I urged people to Google Kelly Thomas, Fullerton, California, a few years ago. Uh, literally, uh, there's three or four cops beating up this homeless guy. Two of them were tried, found not guilty. One, was, uh, one had charges dismissed against him. Almost... Nine, ten minutes of video, almost as long as George Floyd. There's another one called Tony Tempa, T-I-M-P, like Paul A., Dallas, Texas. Homeless guy, uh, mentally ill. Cops beat him up. Uh, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. He said all that. Uh, maybe 13 uh, minutes of video. Uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, white guy. Nobody, nobody cares. And my point is giving you the false impression that the police are killing unarmed black people when, in fact, it is rare for the police to kill anybody, let alone an unarmed black person. And by the way, unarmed does not mean not dangerous. Michael Brown was unarmed, but his DNA was found on the, on the officer's gun. He had done a strong-arm robbery just, just uh, minutes earlier. So just because you're unarmed doesn't mean you're not perceived as dangerous. But it's rare for the police to kill anybody, let alone an unarmed black person. Mm -hmm. but, but the people in the streets, as I said from these num numbers, have no blooming idea how, how infrequent this is. The closest uh, comparison I can make to it is the following, and I'm, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. 
<laughs> so um, why does one story get more momentum than the other one? Why does the one story, uh, blacks uh, experience in that versus white gets most, it more? It advances more the narrative. I'll give you an, a recent example here in Florida. That Jacksonville uh, racists killed those three black guys here in Florida. And Joe Biden uh, made a comment. And not only did he make a comment, he said, uh, silence in the face of hate like this is complicit. You're being complicit. About three months ago, Tulsa, Oklahoma, black guy gets a gun. If you are hearing this for the first time, this is my point. Black guy gets a gun, walks up to a white guy pulls out the gun, shoots him in the back of the head and kills him. Goes to another area of Tulsa, Oklahoma, sees another white guy, pulls out the gun, shoots him in the back of the head and kills him. Admits he did it because they were white. Biden didn't say a damn thing. He didn't say a damn thing about that because it doesn't advance the agenda. And by the way, most homicide is same-race homicide. Most whites who are killed are killed by other whites. Most blacks who are killed are killed by other blacks. However, every year there are a handful of black-white homicides out of the say 20,000 homicides, about 750 of them are black, white, white, black. 500 white people are killed by blacks, even though blacks are just 13% of the population. 250 blacks are killed by whites, even though whites are 60% of the population. So blacks are killing twice as many uh, whites as the other way around. Most people have no idea about that stat. I'll give you another one. Forget about homicides. This, this is violent crime between blacks and whites other than homicide, attempted murder, rape, assault with a weapon. Roughly half a million such instances every single year. 85 to 90% is a black per white victim, only 10% to 15% the other way around. Most people are unaware of that. Now, if some white guy, white Republican said, you know, we have an epidemic of black supremacy uh, in America, as Biden said about white supremacy at Howard. If a white guy said that, we would probably call him a race-hustling demagogue, and he'd be denounced. But Biden can go to Howard University I tell these graduating students just a few months ago, the number one problem facing the homeland is white supremacy, and nobody says a damn thing. He is being every bit a race-hustling demagogue as Al Sharpton, but nobody said a word. Why? I think it's Republicans, nothing scares Republican more than a left-wing person calling him or her a racist. They run from that, which is one of the reasons I believe the Democratic Party or the Republican Party never really cared that much about me being on the debate stage. I say this kind of stuff makes them feel uncomfortable. Republicans are trying to reach out to black voters, and they fear if they talk about fatherlessness that black women will perceive them as being uh, demeaned, that somehow you're undermining the hard work that black females by themselves are, are, are doing raising these kids. Uh, you're not doing anything of the, of the kind, but I think Republicans are afraid the reaction will be the same way. Uh, if Republicans start talking about the kind of stuff racially that I'm talking about, the fact that black people kill more white people than the other way around, uh, I think they feel that the media and the left will jump all over them. It, it's, it's, it's no fun being called an Uncle Tom. It's no fun being called the black face of white supremacy. Uh, and for a white person to be called a racist, that's no fun either. So they'd rather not talk about it. Do, do you think it's still Democrats against Republicans, Republicans against dem Democrats, or do you think it's establishment versus anti-establishment? Meaning, do you think that distinction has been made to the American voter to say, look, you're either voting for a establishment Republican candidate, you're voting for an establishment Democratic candidate, or you're voting for an anti-establishment Democratic candidate or anti-establishment Republican candidate? I, I guess I don't see it that way at all. I, I think the divide in this country is, is between the left, wokeism, 
uh, the perception that America is still a country of racism, of sexism, of homophobia, uh, and those who believe in hard work, accountability, and personal responsibility. That, to me, is the, is the divide. Uh, Democrats, Hollywood, media, academia, uh, big tech, they're all on one side, and people that are hardworking, they just want to get by and want government off their backs are on the other side. I, I was watching a debate one time between uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the chair of the DNC, and Ryan Beautiful Pri- hair. And Ryan, yeah. Pri- Ryan, Ryan Priebus, the chair of the <laughs> RNC. And... Uh, I'm, this is a live debate, so I was texting uh, Ryan Priebus. He didn't see my text and didn't respond to it. But Debbie Wasserman Schultz said, I want to know that my party has my back. And I texted him and I said, I want to know which party will get government off my back. And I think that's the divide. But, mm-hmm. but, but, okay, so then, you know, there are people that want to have government control you from both sides, though, left and right. So this is why I'm, what I'm trying to say is, you ever read the book Blue Ocean Strategy or no? Mm. Okay, so Blue Ocean Strategy is a book about how to uh, not directly compete against your competition. I think Republicans are completely missing a mark. They all sound the same, mm-hmm. and they're all screwing it up, in my opinion. I could be completely wrong, but this book talks about you got to increase, decrease, eliminate, create. So you got to increase a little bit of something. You got to decrease a little bit of something. You got to eliminate something that everybody's doing, or you got to create something new. So, for example, Yellowtail. Uh, uh, is a uh, wine company that was directly competing against other wine companies that were getting destroyed. Blue Ocean Idea comes out. Yellowtail says, instead of competing against wine drinkers, we are cheap wine. We're not going to beat these guys. Yellowtail goes and competes against beer drinkers to get Yellowtail to be sold at bars, et cetera, et cetera. Yellowtail goes from selling, I don't know know, how many cases per year, to 48 million cases per year. Australian success story. And they blow up, and they become a whole different company. So when you're in the red ocean, everyone's stealing from each other, stealing votes from each other, stealing all this stuff from each other, versus like, go to blue ocean, there's no other sharks there, have your own market. Republicans keep fighting the same fight, and they keep getting their asses handed to them. It's the same thing. The, the way they're presenting the argument is it's Democrats against Republicans, it's this, 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 that, versus, no, it's the people that want to make decisions for you, the establishment versus the anti-establishment. Well, I have difficulty accepting the premise. Um, it, it, this is not a product. This is not a... a, a but it is, though. It's, it's ideas. It's, it's what will make your life better. For example, one of the things that I argue and would have mentioned had I been on the debate, both... Republicans, Democrats talk about the size of government. Republicans say the government's too big uh, and they want, want tax cuts. There's one candidate that has a 2% reduction in the size of government every year, something like that. Government's going to get bigger and bigger no matter who's president unless we do something radical. And that radical is this. We need an amendment to the Constitution to fix spending to a certain percentage of the GDP. Otherwise, it gets bigger and bigger. Whether Ronald Reagan is president, whether George W. Bush is president, whether W. is president, whether George Herbert Walker Bush is president, whether Trump is president. Largely because the biggest driver of our budget are the so-called entitlements. Even Barack Obama and Bill Clinton use the word unsustainable to describe them. But nothing happens. If you run promising you're going to... Uh, reform entitlement programs, you're going to lose elections because the other side is going to accuse you of not caring about the poor, the sick, the elderly. The only way to do the kinds of reforms and the kinds of cuts that's necessary is a law that's forcing the politicians to do that. And the only way you're going to do that is to amend the Constitution. And so as the president with my bully pulpit, uh, I will be explaining to American people, particularly young voters, that these programs are not going to be there for you unless there's serious, dramatic reform. And it's not pie in the sky. The, The 
Constitution has been amended on average every 10 years. And all you have to do is make the case to the American people. And nobody's doing that. Not Trump, not DeSantis, not anybody. It's been amended 27 times. I think if the, if the yeah. number's that 27 times. So, so my point is, to, to, your, to your argument, I don't look at it that way. I think that we need to explain to the American people why my policies are better than this guy's policies. Why I'm more likely to have an economy that thrives than this guy why I'm more likely to be able to secure borders than this guy. And if you put together a, a set of policies and issues that a voter can vote for, that voter will vote for it. Well, I would say it, it, the, the only reason I'm making this argument is because if you think about why Trump did well in 2016, his message was not like the rest of you guys. Everybody had the same message. Every candidate had the same message. Oh, we're going to do this. We're gonna, everybody sounded the same. Marco Rubio sounded the same as Ted Cruz sounded the same as, you know, Huckabee sounded the same as, you know, uh, uh, car, you name them, all, everybody said the same. Here's a guy that came and said, I've given money to everybody here, okay? There's a reason why everybody's clapping for this guy, Jeb Bush, is because they didn't let me come in here. All the people here are his donors. All the booing, they're all the donors. That's right. It's true. Right. These guys all gave money to him. He took money from them. He, Jeb goes, ha, ha, ha. That laugh is a weak laugh. <laughs> and his messaging, I think Trump won in 16 because Trump had a blue ocean. Everybody on the stage was fighting the same fight except for one guy. And he crushed everybody. Everybody was like, you know what, man, what angle do we take against this guy? He has given me money. I can't take that argument. He did say this. He did say that. And then today, even with RFK, you know, aside from them bullying him the way they have, why is RFK getting momentum? Actually, think about it. Why is RFK getting so much momentum? Because maybe the American people are sick of the establishment and the anti-establishment message the last two elections is resonating with people. One, the way Trump did it. One, the way, you know, in COVID, which was catastrophic what happened with COVID. So take that part of that. In right. the, today's election, right. RFK, mm -hmm. if you were to say the guys that are getting momentum on two sides, take the guys that are getting momentum on two, both sides, even set aside Trump. Whether you like him or not, Vivek is one of them, RFK is one of them. Both of their messages is an anti-establishment message. And everybody else's message is pretty much an established message. Nikki Haley is an established message. Chris Christie is an establishment message. Pence, Pence is an establishment message. I, you know, who else you want me to give you? Everybody is an establishment message except for two candidates, Vivek and RFK, and they're gaining momentum. I think Trump uh, also came in as somebody who was in your face. Uh, he talked about political uh, correctness. Uh, he was able to, in a very skillful way, demean his opponents one after another after another. I think people find him funny, find him entertaining, uh, charismatic. I've never seen a politician like that. I, I think he's um, a unique a unique person. I've never seen any, anything quite like it. Perfect. Let's go to the last example of a guy that ran like Trump but didn't have a personality. Can you think of the and Who got 19%, 20%? No one thought it was going to happen. It would cost another guy. That was supposed to be a two-term president that became a one-term president. That in his documentary, there was one guy he didn't want to comment on. And that was Ross Perot. George Bush Sr. didn't want to talk about Ross Perot in his documentary. When the word Perot came yeah. out, he did not want to. He says, I don't want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about that. So what happened with Perot? How did Perot speak? He wasn't funny. He was boring. Actually, he was funny. Now, 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 why, now, why, now, now, why, now why are they doing that? Yeah. <laughs> now, 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 I'm, I'm going to get on the hood. I'm going to look at it right now. I'm going to look at it and put it back down. I'm going to take care of that. I'm not going to sound about it. He was hysterical. But he wasn't Trump. <laughs> He didn't have Trump's personality. And that's no, a damn shame. He, 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 wasn't, he didn't have Trump. But what did he but, have? But he also ran as an independent. He had a message and, of anti-establishment. Indep independents don't win. They just don't win. But it's, it's not what I'm—the the point—well, Trump was 
an independent who well, ran as a Republican. Yeah, but he ran as a party. Totally agree. So Rossboro made a mistake running as a as a independent. He could have ran as a Republican. Could have been a different story. He could have ran as a party to represent that he would have had a maybe a different story. But the point I'm making here is all I'm interested in as a business owner, as a guy that studies the markets to see right. who has an advantage on the way they market themselves. I look at DeSantis and I say, here's a guy with a phenomenal resume. Who has a better resume after COVID than him? Nobody. There's not a single governor with a better resume than him right. after COVID. What happened with his messaging? Doesn't doesn't connect. He, he, he sounds like everybody else. Again, I, I think you're making it much more complicated than it is. I think there's a phenomenon known as Donald J. Trump, likes of which nobody has ever seen. This guy never even ran for office, let alone held office, wasn't a general, came out of nowhere. He used to be a Democrat. Then he was an independent. Then he became a Republican. Uh, he had a almost 100% name recognition from uh, mm. The Apprentice. Uh, there's just been nothing like him. I'm shocked that Ron DeSantis is not doing better. But when you compare him to Donald Trump, I'm sorry. It's like, it's like uh, Larry Holmes. He comes after Muhammad Ali. I'm sorry. Larry Holmes was a great fighter. Uh, but you, when you come after Muhammad Ali, that's a big shadow. And so DeSantis is in Donald Trump's shadow right now. And, and when Donald Trump, if he gets elected again, he becomes lame duck the next day. I think the front runner in 2028 will be, will be Ron DeSantis. You think so? Yeah. You think so? Oh, yeah. Florida. Florida, he, he stood down COVID. He stood down wokeism. Um, uh, he got reelected with 20%. Uh, he, he took Miami-Dade County. Uh, he looks great. Uh, he's a war hero, uh, great wife, a, a cancer survivor. What's not to like? It's just not your time. It's Donald Trump's time. Sorry. Is MAGA going to support him after him essentially going after Trump? I think so. But that's a, that's a long way away. I mean, that's a, a real far down the road. But I really think that we just have to recognize that Donald Trump, I've never seen a one-term president hold on to the party like this. When, uh, when Jimmy Carter lost, he couldn't get a table at Fatburger. Uh, <laughs> when, when, George, when George Herbert Walker Bush lost, nobody talked to him. This guy lost. He's a one-term president, and he maintained his grip over the party. I've never seen anything like it. So, and I've been watching politics since I was eight years are old. Are you a sports guy? Yeah. Okay. You ever seen the movie Billy Bean, the, the Moneyball? I did. Okay. Yeah. I, we watch that movie all the time. It's one of movie. our favorite movies. Yeah. He's, he's the only guy that I brought three times to speak at my different events. Wow. Is, uh, he, is he still the Oakland uh, G- GM? I think he is. I, I don't know so. if he went anywhere, but he got the offer no, no. from Boston, but he never he, took he the never, money. Never, yeah, never took it, yeah. So when you meet him, you know, so this guy was a 5 tool player, right? He right. was supposed to be the next, you know, whatever, guy, whatever. Yeah. And there's a part of the movie where he asked the question, of uh, 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 is it Noah? Is it actor's name uh, Jonah Hill? Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. He says, "So let me ask you a question. After we, I left, I know you searched me, and I, I know you looked at my numbers. Would you have picked me number one draft pick?" He says, "Yeah, I would have." He says, "Stop bullshitting me. Tell me the truth. Where would you have picked me?" He said, "I would have picked you in the ninth round." Ninth yeah. round, yeah. No signing bonus. No he ball. says, "And uh, you would have gone to Stanford." And, and he takes a drink and he puts it down. He says. Got it. Well, pack your bags. Come down here. I just signed you. I bought you yeah. from the Cleveland Indians, yeah, right? Right. Okay. So here's here's all I'm going. Jonah, uh, the guy that plays. Who does he play, by the way, in the movie? Is he playing Podesta? Paul, Paul De Podesta. Paul De Podesta, right? So, and he comes in. He's saying all these years, you know, we're watching 61 two days ago. The whole story with Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle and the owner of the Yankees. Like, oh, I brought you to your bombers. I don't care your 260 batting average. Hit the homer. Swing for the fence. That's why we brought you here, right? Right. Back in the days, baseball was about what? Who can hit the home runs? Who can get the eyeballs? Who can fill up the arena? Everything changed once, you know, uh, Podesta, 
you know, on-base percentage, all this other stuff. I think, <laughs> I think you guys are, are, are so been in this world for so long. In the and I keep saying you guys. I mean, people who are in the political side. I don't want to put you as you guys, but you're part of media. You've been around for a long time. Right. Hell, you got a star in the freaking Hall of Fame, you know, on, on the uh, Hollywood, Hollywood Walk, Walk of Fame. Of fame yeah. So I think that world, you are so used to saying the same lines, the same things, the same things every three, four years, that nobody has sat there and challenged the establishment of media, opinions, radio, you know, whatever. No one's challenged you guys to say, I don't think you're looking at the right categories of who to choose as a candidate. I think you keep looking at the same old, same old way of selecting candidates. And I think what Trump is doing to that world, he's shocked the hell out of everybody to say, okay, what used to matter is not what matters today. What matters today is very different. Let's look at a golf score of candidates to put up there to look at and then realize, nope, this guy's not going to do it. He just doesn't have the X factor. He doesn't have the following. He doesn't have this. He doesn't have this. He doesn't have that. The score here, golf score, the number one guy. If I had more time on my hands right. and I wasn't running nine companies, I would hire. <laughs> I'm being serious with you right now. I, I would hire are. 10 analysts, bring them in, put the last 500 candidates that we've had, Dems, Wright, Independent, everything. Get every one of their scoring based on 40 different categories, then eliminate 10 of the categories, the bottom 10, then go 30, then go eliminate bottom 10, then go 20, then eliminate bottom 10, then go top 10. And then I would go based on the top 10 most important areas to select a candidate, look at a golf score and say, you know what, look at this, look what trend we notice. This guy did this because of this. That guy, no, this guy's not going to win, that guy's not going to win. Not saying there's some people that do this out there, but uh, I think... You, you, you act like it's mathematical. It's not. It's not, but I think it is. Remember in the in the in the movie uh, uh, Moneyball? Yeah, he said, "You think you know, but you don't." He had all these coaches there. You don't. Yeah. Who saw Donald Trump coming? Nobody did. Yeah, nobody did. Yeah. Who saw Joe Biden coming in twenty twenty? Nobody did. Not until Clyburn got behind him. This is unpredictable. I mean, I never thought Donald Trump uh, was was going to get the nomination until. Well, that's a different well, story, uh, though, because here, you're talking here, here, about the here, Astros winning the World here, here, Series. Here's, here's the deal. I'm, I'm at home when he comes down the escalator. Yeah. And he says, uh, Mexicans, uh, they're, they're rapists, they're this, that, the other. Yep, oh, my yep, God. Yep. Oh, my God. This is going to be one of the shortest campaigns in history. <laughs> the next day, I'm in an area of L.A. called Sunland, which is a blue-collar, mostly white area. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm at this restaurant called Coco's, which is like a Denny's. I'm at the uh, bar having my... Veg vegetarian breakfast, bacon, and eggs, and hash browns. <laughs> Guy walks up to me. He says, well, at least the chicken was are, a vegetarian. Are you, are you Larry Elder? I said, yeah. He said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm here on business. He said, what do you think about what my guy said last night? I said, my guy? He said, yeah, Donald Trump. And the guy, by the way, was a, was a painter, as in house painter. Yeah. And I said, what did you think of him? He said, it's about time somebody spoke for me, and he walked away. Wow. Another guy comes up to me five minutes later. Are you Larry Elder? Yeah. What are you doing here? I'm here uh, what did you What did you think about what Trump said? What did you think about what Trump said last night? Man, it's about time somebody stood up for us little people. I was there for forty five minutes, and that kind of conversation repeated itself over and over and over again. Two guys were Hispanic. One guy looked like he was Asian American, and I went on the air that day, and I said, I recounted what I just told you, and I said, I've never seen a Republican connect with regular people like that since Ronald Reagan. Said, this guy's going to get the nomination. He's going to become the next president of the United States. Yeah. And nobody was saying it at the time. Okay. So my, my point is, who saw that coming? 
Even CNN, MSNB, hee-haw, as I call it, they kept putting them up there because their ratings— there, there is a, there the, is the, a the, category the, for that. The though. ratings went up, yeah. but they thought of him as a joke. Okay. Uh, Ariana Huffington went on television sure. and said, we're covering him in, in the Huffington Post in the entertainment section because he's not being— I would create that as a category on the golf score. I would create that as a—so here's what I wrote based on what you just said. So let's have some fun together. Okay. all right. All right, number one, Moneyball, okay? Mm-hmm. Remember the scene where— all the old scouts are like, I like this one guy. Who would want to have his girlfriend at best as a six? You yeah. should never have a start yeah. as a six yeah. as a girlfriend. Like, he didn't have These confidence. are all the old he, guys he, in he their 60s and right. 70s right. who are trying confidence. to say right. how you should recruit. Right. And right. then this guy said, this guy's is all you got? Got a beautiful swing. Yeah. Got a beautiful yeah. swing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why doesn't so, he hit? Yeah, why isn't he hit? Well, he's going <laughs> to learn how to hit. So we're going to teach him. That's the part of the time we're going to. The scouts thought they knew what they were talking about because they've been in that world for so long. Okay. And then a new player shows up, a new guy, Jonah Hill, D. Podesta, saying we got to look at it in a completely different way. I'll give you the other one. One of the things I would put as a category is this is what I visualize a lot of candidates choosing their presidential election, you know, what they're going to campaign on. Here's what they do. Let me role play and tell me if I'm wrong, okay? And call me out. You're, you're wrong. I love it. You're, you're wrong. <laughs> but, well, I have a, what, what, let me one, finish one, my one, point. One quick thing, though. You, you mentioned Vivek as, yeah. as, as a non-establishment yeah. guy. He's at 5%, okay. 6%. Yeah. Come on. But no, he's at 6% because he's going against the number one establishment guy. That's what I'm talking about. No, that's not what you're that's, talking about. That's the, that's the elephant in the room then right you don't there. understand Donald my Trump. point. No, you don't, no, go, no, no. You're not understanding my point. Vivek is following the playbook of Trump. And he's at 5%. Because there is a Trump. What if there was no Trump? Take but, Trump out. But there is. No, no, I understand that. But because the guy ahead of him is a bigger anti-establishment candidate, which is attractive to and, people and, in America today. And DeSantis today. has higher numbers than Vivek. And, and according to you, DeSantis is a, a establishment Because guy. DeSantis a year ago, you had no clue who the guy was. You've known DeSantis. Uh, Vivek, you didn't know a year ago who he was. He was not even your, a— your, 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 your argument is you've got to get somebody no. who, who's non, non-traditional. I'll give you Vivek's non-establ- not Non-establishment. No, I will Fine. Give- Vivek is that way. You're not— He's number three. The next guy is, in your view, an establishment guy. Mr. Elder, Mr. Hollywood Walk of Fame, let me push back. (laughs) Okay. As the guy that's 30 years your junior, just to give you a different perspective. Okay. I could be wrong, and I'm very comfortable with that. You are. Hear me out. (laughs) You are. You are are wrong. By the way, this has been the history for the longest time. 70-year-olds thinking 40-year-olds are wrong. Right. And the 40-year-olds kind of tend to disrupt a little bit. That's kind of – and then the 40-year-olds think they know it all. 20-year-olds disrupt with social media. We have to pay attention to these types of guys. So watch this. So you're saying – you know, Vivek doesn't have that going on. Yep, because Vivek would be missing one massive, massive, massive category on the golf score. What is that? Online persona, TV personality. You don't have it. You started too late. Way too late. Trump's been doing it for 50 years. Okay? One of the biggest things for me, an anti-establishment guy, mm-hmm. would be your online, your social persona, your TV persona for how long? Whether it's not necessarily a Q score, following you know, virability today, you know, stories today, all that other stuff. So that Vivek does not have. That doesn't work in his favor, okay? Two would be charm and selling. DeSantis doesn't have charm and selling. Vivek has that, okay? DeSantis is more policies. And as much as we want to put policies at the top, I think policies is maybe top five, maybe top three. I think there's things way more important than policies when it comes down to getting eyeballs. Now, Biden, I totally agree, but that's a black swan event. That's not a 
typical traditional season pandemic. It's a very different season. I don't even think it's that. I think he was bringing up Clyburn. Let's just call Biden the Astros case because the Democrats. Yeah, yeah, because they did the Democratic uh, DNC. I think we all agree decided to cheat. So let's take Biden off the side and just say, hey, they cheated it and they picked him. Isn't that correct? They they decided to uh, to decap uh, uh, Bernie Sanders because they didn't think he could win. Right. They didn't like they didn't like the way it was working out in the whoops Democratic process Mm -hmm. through elections and primary state by state, and they just decided... Can I add one other thing here? Can I add one other thing here? One other thing that kind of helps out here, that if you put Ross Perot, that if you put Vivek, who's a junior junior, that if you put Trump, they have this thing called F.U. money. Mm -hmm. Okay? That they they don't need... So now you're agreeing. Thank you, Larry. We are converting a little bit. No, 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 you're not. Yes, I am. I'm agreeing with you that Donald Trump is a unique species. He Is Is that the name of a pack? He's got F.U. money. He's got 100% name recognition. He's got a personality like nobody that that I've ever seen. And Vivek doesn't have one of the four. Vivek does not one of the four. And by the way, which one does DeSantis have? Let's take a look at this. Does DeSantis have a big social media following? No. Okay. Does DeSantis have charm? No. No. Does he have policies? Yes. Yes. Does he have a few money? No. No. Do you see it's one out of four? <laughs> you understand the point I'm making to you? The game is changing. It's called Blue Ocean Strategy. Moneyball two. Holy Patrick moly! David Larry yeah. This is the point yeah. I'm trying to yeah. make. But the whole you thing with Joe, Trump Joe, is Joe he, Trump is an absolute anomaly. We've never seen anything like him. He's got check, check, that's, check. That's, the policy thing is almost irrelevant, and I think a lot of his policies. We're good. I have one fifth and one that I wrote. say the policy here, thing is irrelevant. It's not irrelevant. That's why he's a Republican. Republicans stand for strong borders. They stand for strong national security. They stand for lower law order. They stand for low, low regulations. Law so order. that's assumed. But I wrote one additional point here, Mr. Elder. Mm-hmm. The guy that listens to you more than you listen to me, okay? I've listened to you. You're the guy, okay, that we follow. You are the man. I okay? am the man. You are the man. <laughs> I agree with that. You, so we, you, we, so, we agree on so, that. Oh, there's, by the way, we don't have to agree on that. We've agreed on we that for, for years. Yeah. Okay? But here's the part. The other thing that he does, which I like, that Perot did and that Trump did and that Vivek did, the fatherlessness bringing it in, but I'll tell you what it is. It's creating an issue that no one is talking about. Okay, Trump came up and said the wall, border, rapist, drugs. You're like, whoa, whoa, no one's talking about that. The shock factor. Right. And everybody else is like, I think the number one issue we have is the economy. I think the number one issue we have is health care. I think we Okay, and they go wrong with it. This guy's coming with a shock factor saying, no. nope, here's the number one issue. But, Boom, here's what we're dealing you're with. You're acting like he didn't talk about the economy. But those are not issue. his number one, though. Those are not his number one. I think the assumption was that Donald Trump, as a businessman, knows more about the economy than other people. And he does. I didn't say he didn't. Yeah. My point is, take you've got to assume that he was elected in part because of his attitude about the economy and the assumption that people thought he was going to... Look, here's another thing about Donald Trump I've never seen before. And my argument is he's a unique species. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I was with him in Cleveland in 2016. We campaigned together at uh, Black Church. And I got to speak to him about 15 minutes privately. And I said to him, there's one thing you should apologize for. He said, oh, I know what you're going to say. It's what I said about uh, uh, John McCain. I said, I couldn't care less. I said, you said that George W. Bush lied us into the Iraq war. I said, I know that you argue that you didn't support the war. Fair enough. But nobody lied. I've talked to, to um, Condoleezza Rice. I've talked to Colin Powell. They said the intel was wrong. Nobody lied. I said the British were shooting at the at the uh, I mean the the uh, 
the Iraqis were shooting at the British and American planes, patrolling the southern and no-fly zones. Uh, Saddam Hussein was stealing from the offer food program. We know he had chemical weapons because he used them on the on the Kurds, used them on the on the uh, Persians. Mm-hmm. Um, he tried to assassinate uh, uh, President George Herbert Walker Bush. There were lots of reasons by in the re- in the in the uh, resolution that was signed by the the, the Senate and the and the House on why we went to war. Nobody lied. And I said, that's what Ted Kennedy's been saying. Week after week after week, we were told lie after lie after lie. I said, you are giving the left talking point to the media. It's not right. And he went like this. However, he never said it again. And see, Donald Trump's way of apologizing is to never say the same wrong-headed thing twice. My point is, he got away with it. He got away with excess Hollywood. Who else do you know that could survive scandals like that? Nobody. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just saying, I've never seen anything like it. And so, did, so when you're I going, we okay. need this, we need this, you're trying to reverse engineer Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump. I got a technical question for you. Yes. Okay? Almost everybody that runs for office has, uh, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm hoping maybe you have a different insight than we do because we're not in the world you're in. You've been in it for a while. Everybody that runs or becomes president, there's stories about women that come out. Mm-hmm. You've had that. Trump's had it. You know, Reagan's had it. How come there's no stories of Kennedy? women? Kennedy? <laughs> Can I finish my point, Tom? Like <laughs> seriously, you got everybody. Is Tom that always like this. Tom is always he's like, always like oh, this. Okay? He, he's yeah. the famous guy doing yeah. that. He's had two volts. Yeah. Okay. So once again, I'll start from the beginning yes, before sir. Tom kind of had to yeah. jump in. So why is well, it what, that what, every what, what, what candidate that what are we going to do about the Tom? I think we'll Tom, Tom is the Wikipedia. <laughs> we call what, him. By Uncle way, he's Tom. not done yet. He has to do three more of these until I ask my question. Uncle so wait for. Can I just do it, Tom? Okay. Why is it that every man that's run for office or became a president? has had women from the past that's come up. You've had it. Uh, Trump's had, I think, one only from the past. Obviously, yeah. I'm being very sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you got 12. Yeah. You, got, you, got, you got Clinton, Biden, yep. Bush. You got. How come there's no woman from Obama's past? Richard Nixon. How come there's no one from Obama's nope, nobody past? Nobody from Richard Nixon's past either. Huh. Well, back in the days, there was no social media. So I'm going more like 50 I years, see. right? So why, why is it, why 40 years? Why is it that Obama, no, there's no, Obama. no woman from his past? Are you think he just didn't have game, or you think like you know? Because well, I've seen him having really game. Good at secrets. He's a good-looking guy. He has a good shot, left-handed. Yeah, I've seen him make the shot from the pat from the, from the side. Very although, handsome. Although, although he didn't start, he didn't start in, in high he school. He did not. Yeah, he did not start. In- well, why do you think? Like, I mean, you know, like, what's it like? He, is he that devout of a Christian? Maybe it's because Maybe. his level of devotion to. Since, 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 since we're talking about Obama, let me get this off my chest. My disappointment with Obama has nothing to do with any of this, obviously. Um, it's that he ran as the guy that people thought was the guy who was in Boston in 2004. I was in the arena when he gave the introduction speech to uh, uh, John Kerry. There's no blue America. There's no red America. BNC. It's one America. Phenomenal speech. Phenomenal. Yeah. There's no black America. There's no yep. white America. Just one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, I turned to my producer and I said, you know, all he said was a bunch of platitudes, but he said them well. This guy's going to run for president someday. So Obama decides to run before he even knew where the bathroom was, and he's at a black church, and he's talking about how much racism he thinks there is in America. And this is really important. He said, the Moses generation, referring to the generation of Martin Luther King, has gotten us, quote, 90% of the way there, close quote. He said, my generation, he referred to his generation as the Joshua generation, has to get us an additional 10%. And I thought that was reasonable because there was a Fox opinion poll, 2002, 8% 8% of Americans think there's a possibility that Elvis is still alive. So you have to write off around 10% of the American people. So what he was really saying, <laughs> in my opinion, is we've gotten to the point now where MLK's dream of people 
evaluating you based on content of character rather than yeah. your skin. Yeah. It's pretty much been realized. Yeah. He uh, was on 60 Minutes. This is when he was running. He hadn't yet caught up with Hillary, but he was coming. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put him on there. And Steve Croft, the correspondent, said, Senator, if you don't win, will it be because of racism? And I'm at home, and I said, let's see how he answers this question. Let's see if he gives a victocrat answer along the lines of what Al Sharpton would say or Jesse Jackson would say, both of whom ran for president, and claim they didn't get there because of racism. And Obama said, no. If I don't win, it will be because I've not articulated a vision. Good for American him. People. That's exactly what I said. Good for him. I said, I'm not going to vote for you. Yeah. Tax, spend, regulate, Obamacare, but good for you. He won with 53% of the vote. He walked in the Oval Office third week of January 2009 with 70% approval. How? Did all of a sudden people say, you know, I want my taxes raised. Uh, I, I, I want Obamacare. No, they said at the very least he's going to put a knife, uh, fork in the, in the notion that America remains systemically racist. Mm-hmm. Both blacks and whites thought race relations would improve when he walked in the Oval Office. When he left, both blacks and whites thought it got worse mm-hmm. because for eight years he played race card at the race card at the race card. From the Cambridge police acted stupidly to if I had a son, he looked like Trayvon, to embracing Black Lives Matter, to saying that racism is in America's DNA, to having an AG, Eric Holder, who accused um, people that wanted voter ID of engaging in pernicious racism. Okay. He, he uh, had Al Sharpton in the White House over 70 times. He played the race card time and time and time again. That's not the person that the American people thought they hired. And that's my problem with him. He's made things worse. Here's a guy that had every advantage. Best uh, prep school in the state of, of Hawaii, becomes the president of Harvard Law Review, charmed existence, and here he is playing the race card. That's not what the American people thought they hired when they, when they voted for him in 2008. So, file basic question, why? So, so, so let me... Power. Let me... Power and votes. He wants to get black people angry because black people will go in there like lemmings and pull that lever 90%, 95% of the Democratic Party do you think... because of social justice and equity, whatever the hell that means. Do you think his is it his ideas or somebody that's put it in his ear because of some stuff from the past hurting his legacy? Do you think it's him motivated he or wanted, outside motivated? He wanted to get reelected. And he knew that if he... It's simple as that. It's simple as that. You think, you think Democrats, you think Nancy Pelosi really believes America is systemically racist? I mean, do you think James Clyburn really believes that? Do you think Obama really believes that? B.S. He knows it's not true, but he also knows he wants to win elections. You don't win elections by telling black people, look, think about crime, think about schools, think about jobs. No, you win elections. This guy over here is a racist. This guy over here uh, wants to hold you back. This guy over here wants to oppress you. That's why we got this nonsense about reparations. By the way, notice how Obama hasn't said jack about reparations? His whole career, he opposed them. Where is he? Oh, he's been quiet. Say something. He's been very Say quiet. something. He doesn't want to get canceled. He knows he's going to get canceled. And he, wants to re- he wants to remain relevant. He hasn't said a damn thing about this movement towards reparations, even though he's opposed them his whole career. Uh, and, and Larry, I think where, where Pat was going— He's made things worse. I, 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 I agree. I think I think playing the race card the whole time to go in. But anyway, what Pat, I think, was getting into was uh, uh, about the whole—the the girl, any—no female— um, scandal or anything like that. Recently, I mean, last podcast I, we talked about a Tucker, Tucker Carlson. I, 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 know, I know, I know where you were going with that. Yes, and, 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 and there, here's my no, question. I'm not going to go there. No, no, not you don't, go no, there. no. But, here, but here's my question, though, Larry. Why what, Tucker Carlson? Probably, I mean, one of the highest streaming looked at eyeballs right. in the in the history of Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. Why, out of all people, at this specific time, would you bring up a man who has been on on camera multiple times for 25 years? 
stating, passing lie detector tests, you know, signing affidavits. I don't care about his past. This is what I did with Obama. Why? What do you think the motive is to come up with? I mean, the guy's not getting money. The guy doesn't look well at all. What's the motive behind going on a, on a, on a platform like that? And What's the motive behind Tucker interviewing him or the guy going on the platform the, to talk about Tucker. I'm more Tucker. Tucker. What's Tucker's, What's motive Tucker's motivation? I think he thinks it's news. Really? I think, I think he thinks it's a story that the media, I, I think his angle is the media were aware of this or could have been aware of this or should have been aware of this, but they wanted to protect Barack Obama and they circled the wagons around him. The way they did around Jeremiah Wright. Remember when Jeremiah Wright came out? Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, uh, the media is not talking about this until the video came out with him saying uh, KKK, United States, and, all, and then they had to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I'll just ask you directly because so, these guys so, are. So I think I think that's what Tucker is saying that this was a a bombshell story. He probably would not have been uh, elected uh, if this had been covered by the media, uh, and uh, and it's an example of how biased the media are. I think that's what he's saying. I'll just ask you directly. These guys both kind of. You no, know, no, don't don't say these guys. No, 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 no. don't do that. I'm, don't do that. You ask do, the question. Do, don't say these guys. I, yeah, I'm don't saying, say you guys. Ask the question. Do, do I care whether Obama yeah. might, might be gay? Do you couldn't, think Obama's gay? That's, I have no idea. Don't care. Yeah. What I, what I care about is what I said earlier, that he ran promising to be a, a racial uniter and divided us and played the race car time and time again. Racism is in America's DNA. Are you effing kidding me? The first time Gallup asked white people if they vote for a black president was, it was in the 50s, and only around 30% said yes. Now only about 4% said they wouldn't vote for a black person. So how does, how does DNA uh, uh, change like that? That's what I'm angry about him for. The th he was a fraud. He was a fraud on, on racial conciliation, a huge fraud on that. The, the rest of the stuff, the tax suspending regulating, I knew that. But you don't walk into the Oval Office with 70% approval rating. Who are you uh, talking about right now? You're talking about Obama. 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 Okay. Obama, Obama yeah. He's a fraud. But, Larry, uh, as much as you're saying you don't care, there's a huge percentage of the Republican base that actually believes this and actually believes that Michelle Obama isn't actually a man. They call her Big Mike. So I know that this is not <laughs> I, your thing. I, I, I don't know but, anybody but that calls her that. Stop Big it, Mike. Larry. He I, know, I didn't he know, he know him. Before I came to value Timmy four years ago, yeah. I never even heard that Michelle Obama right. was a man. Right. I didn't think that uh, Obama was gay. But I've heard this multiple times, hundreds of times. You must have heard this. And what do you say to that? What do you say to the Republican base who thinks that Michelle Obama is a freaking man and Obama's gay? If the Republican base thought that Michelle Obama was every bit as, as graceful, as attractive as Jacqueline Kennedy, they still wouldn't have voted for him because of his policy. So it doesn't matter. It's, it's inconsequential. I, I don't know, Larry. I think doesn't you're skirting matter. this one. I'm, no, I'm not. Well... <laughs> Well, but, but because some people are saying this, like I've heard, I, and Pat kind of brought Just, it up, but I've been hearing this too, Larry, that the reason Tucker brought this up and had this guy speak is because, and how many times have we heard it, Pat, from how many people that Newsom's out, Newsom's saying he's not going to run. Yeah, the Kamala thing is a possibility, but that Michelle Obama is going to come in and say, hey, listen, we, I need to save this. Everybody's all messed up. Nobody's really running. Joe Biden's dying so, in so, front of us. So her you eyes. think... Tucker's motivation is to is to make sure that Michelle Obama doesn't become president. They're saying I, yeah. I didn't say it. What I'm saying is people have been saying online that this is one of those. OK, if she does uh, announce that she's running, they're going to have to address this fact because nobody I've never seen anybody ask Obama on camera. Okay. Hey, just really quick. Are you gay? Have you ever done any gay homosexual activities? Never once. And they've been silent since the day that this came out. Larry Sinclair, oh, Michelle Obama took a flight to Spain and hung out with, with friends and Barack didn't go with her. Just say Hillary Clinton was accused by Juanita Broderick of having that team of, around of, of threatening her. Yeah. When after uh, Juanita Broderick said she'd been raped by Bill Clinton. Yes. 
I've not heard anybody ask Hillary whether or, not, whether, whether or not it's true or false. Yep. People think that Hillary Clinton has committed murder multiple times. My, I've heard that. My, my, my point is that there are a lot there of no-fly zones uh, the media has uh, when it comes to protecting people on the left, and this is not uncommon. Um, I couldn't care less whether Obama is gay. I couldn't care less whether or not Michelle is, is Big Mike. Um, I, I think Obamacare, Obamacare is an abomination. Uh, I think what he did on race, race relations set this country back. Uh, that's what I care about. Yeah, you're a policy guy. But that's the exact – if I asked Trump that, he'd be like, yeah, he's probably gay. Yeah, Michelle's probably a man, and that's why he gets eyeballs. I don't think Trump would say that. Trump, Trump even conceded. Trump has said way worse Trump, things Trump, about Trump way even, less even people. even conceded that Obama was born here after spending money to, to, to investigate all well, of that. Well, the birth certificate. He started yeah. the whole birther claim. Well, he was no, trying no, to no, win. No, no, How no, nice no, of no, him he to did concede not. that. No, he did not start that. Hillary started that, 2008. Okay. That's oh. correct. Well, Bingo. He promoted game, the hell out of g- it. Game change. She started it. Sidney uh, Blumenthal was her top aide. He goes to the McClatchy newspapers and says, Obama is not from here. He was born in Africa. Uh, and a guy named James Asher, you can look it up, uh, took the uh, advice seriously, put somebody on it, and they, and they track it down. They found nothing, nothing to it. It was Hillary campaign that started it. And everybody assumes Trump started it, but he did not. Hillary did it. Yeah, but nobody knows that. Meaning, like, I now, actually, now, I think now, you're now, probably now, right. Now they do. Millions of people now yeah. do. That's true. But everyone uh, thinks. So I've, done, so if, I've done a service. If nothing if else, you did, I've done If a you service. did a poll right now of who started the birther claims, I would say 90% so, of people so, would say Trump. So many things about Donald Trump are just not true. For example, in November 2016, I think it was around November, before the election anyway, Bloomberg poll, the number one reason that likely voters gave for not liking Donald Trump is that they felt he had demeaned a disabled reporter, mocked a disabled reporter. Mm-hmm. He did not. We're talking about a guy named Serge Kowaleski, wrote for one of the big newspapers. And Donald Trump publicly said that people cheered the fall of the Twin Towers. And nobody could find a story. And then he found a story. And uh, they went up to Serge Kowaleski, wrote the story, and said, did you see this? He goes, well, you know, I, I sort of did. Well, I wasn't sure there were that many. And so Donald Trump mocked him in a, in a town hall. Uh, he wasn't mocking his disability. And by the way, the guy doesn't go like this, which is what Donald Trump did. The guy has an atrophied arm, but he doesn't go like this. And uh, Donald Trump did not mock him, but that's what people believe. Uh, There's a website called Catholic for Trump where Donald Trump has used this gesture to mock himself, to mock an able-bodied general. Mm -hmm. It's what Donald Trump does because he's a stand-up comic. It's not true. Just as it's not true that Donald Trump said there were good Nazis and bad Nazis on both sides Mm -hmm. regarding Charlottesville. Charlottesville. Even Jake Tapper, two years later, said, you know, went back and looked at it. He wasn't saying that. He was saying there are good people and bad people on both sides of the debate on whether or not there should be a Confederate monument in, in the public square. But that's what a lot of people feel. Well, so so, and the other big thing that people think about Donald Trump is that he was was, was leading an insurrection on January sixth. When, as you pointed out, how what 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 part of I want you to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard? Don't you understand? So many of the things that people hate Donald Trump's guts for are simply flat out false, including that he started the birther movement. He did not. Well, this goes to the bigger question about the media. I actually agree with you. Can you actually verify the Hillary Clinton uh, birther uh, versus Absolutely. Trump? Because a, there's a lot of people that believe Trump fact, started fact, it. Can you pull this up? There's a video of, of uh, Morning Scarborough, Morning Joe Show, where a guy named John Heilman co-authored the book called Game Changes On. Yeah, John Heilman. Yeah. John Heilman. Can you find that? And, and uh, Harold Ford is on the panel. And somebody mentions that Hillary started. He goes, well, I, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that. And Joe Scarborough turns to John Hyman and said, well, John, you wrote the book, Game Change. What's the truth? He said, I'm confirming the, the, uh, the, the notion that it was Hillary Clinton that started it. John Hyman said that. Well, it's only can 10 you, years too can late. Can you so find respect. that clip if you could, Rob, if you can somehow? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's it. Joe, right there. Joe, Obama Muslim talk started with Hillary. 
2015. Right there. Right there. And then this talks about the birther as well with Hillary. Can we play this? Well, b- the whole birther thing is Obama's from Africa. Yeah. Can you can you get audio or no, yeah. Rob? Top I mean, well, God, you see that interview? <laughs> I mean, the Clinton team I think, I do wrote a great the questions. Too. I this mean, for obviously, that was, that was stunning. <laughs> it was stunning. She is asked on Face the Nation about uh, who at the State She said the State Department authorized it. Yeah. No, there was Dickerson didn't follow up with a question, who at the State Department? Well, that's because the campaign did not allow that. Because you know that this they, interview was set up so that certain questions on policy were required for a certain amount of time. And then they could go I'm into not, emails sure. for a certain amount of time. Question. And then they Can you fast me, forward a little bit to see if this is the one, Rob? Just kind of fast forward to see. It was John planned out. I can see very rich. Now, listen. He yeah, says it. he is. The, by the Clinton. Is it, yeah, that is the truth. Go back a little bit. Go back 20 seconds. It started. This started with Hillary Clinton. And it go was back spread 20 seconds, by the right. Go back 20 seconds. Uh, right there. That's good. For spreading the rumors. Okay, go back 10 more Barack seconds. Obama. This was the one. Yeah, I right there. I say one other thing, too. Here we go. It was rich this weekend. I guess we have to get our digs in on Hillary Clinton here because I, I, I thought we were going to get through a segment without talking about her. Oh, well, but, but, but for Hillary Clinton to come out and criticize anybody for spreading the rumors about Barack Obama... When it all started on 60 with, Minutes, when it all started with her and her campaign passing things around in the wow. Democratic primary, Rich. Now listen. He says he is. The Republicans are wrong for doing what they're doing. It started. This started with Hillary Clinton, and it was spread. Good for Morning Joe for saying this. We're I'm shocked. Back in 2008. I, I, I really, I, I don't Look, even know. That is the truth. I, I don't believe. I don't believe. Don't. But, don't. But, but, but Mika, you can't tell me to stop when you are when the two of you are making comments. It'd be different if you have a if there's a basis, an actual evidentiary basis for what you're saying. And I would agree. Yeah, with what, 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 um, that they're the I ones that spread it in 2008. Right. That spread what in 2008? That, that Barack Obama no, may playing. not be uh, Barack Obama may not be a Christian. Well, we should ask Heilman this question. Watch this. John Heilman on the right. Heilman story of the 2008 campaign. I don't, I don't recall that. But if you're telling me that was the case, I, I, I just don't recall. John Heilman was the case. It was Thank you. The, it, it was the case. Thank you, John <laughs> It was the case. Didn't she go on 60 Minutes yes. and not wow. actually it was say the case. no? So, he says he is. I'm offering my rule. What was that? He, 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 I'm affirming, I'm affirming, I'm affirming the Scarborough Brzezinski. Okay, do, do you know about this CBS, had on morning CBS interview? Was that thing, oh, was that rigged? Okay. I don't know anything about. I, I have no uh, no knowledge whatsoever of what, what? what of what well, happened. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. The campaign wow. and, and John Dickerson. I have I have no, no idea what happened on that interview. Not either, either. But you no do idea. recall that a week earlier she went on Andrew Mitchell, and it was all emails all the time for the first twenty minutes of that interview. That's pretty so she has that yes. interviews. Yeah, in you can stop it right. No so you were bar. right. Yes. No, but more more importantly, a guy named James Asher A S. H-E-R, who worked for McClatchy, Hold that up. said that Sidney Blumenthal approached him and said Obama is not from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he tracked it down and found nothing to wow. it. Got it. And Sidney Blumenthal was, is, so, is, is Hillary's hatchet man. You know what's interesting yep. about that is that was in what year, Rob? 15. That was 2015. This was the year I literally used to watch Morning Joe and Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski, John Heilman, mm-hmm. and everyone that's on there literally every morning for two straight years, right. okay? And... This was when Joe Scarborough was actually a friend of 
Donald Trump. So was Mika Brzezinski. They he, were at he, his, he was at their wedding. Joe Scarborough used to be a Republican. Correct. Yeah. And, so this, and, and used to demean Al Sharpton, signed a resolution, introduced a resolution calling Al Sharpton a race hustling uh, demagogue. Right. And now they kiss each other's butts. Well, he's on his show it's, it's every amazing. morning. It's he's amazing. On his yeah. But this is my point. The Reverend. Rip, Thank rip, you. Yeah. Reverend. Reverend. Thank you. This is my point. In, 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 a, in a few short years, from 2016 to the Trump re- election to basically where we are today, the media has completely well, gone to different sides. Agreed. Right? Agreed. Completely gone to different sides so here's my question the media has already done this if there's one thing i've learned since trump has been elected office that the deep state is real absolutely and they do not want donald trump to be president they didn't want him in 2016 they didn't want him in 2020 they did everything in their in their power to get him out of office right and they're going to do everything in their power to do it again in 2024 so if he is elected which is 50 50 at this point Mm -hmm. they're going to do everything in their power to belittle his candidacy or his presidency He's a racist. He's a white person. Uh, uh, Russia, this, that, the other. They're going to play clips of January 6th. It's just going to happen over and over and over again. How does someone like Trump combat the media, big well, tech, Hollywood? How does he even go against that at this point? The, the, the good news is, I said I was a cautious pe- pessimistic, but the good news is Donald Trump, Republicans now have almost half the Hispanic vote. Donald Trump got elected with 8% of the black vote in 2016. When he ran in 2020, he got 12%. That's a 50% increase. He got 20% of the black male vote. People are waking up. They're seeing the nonsense. And they're seeing their pocketbook. They go to the gas station. They go to the store. They're paying a lot more for the same stuff. Uh, And you can call Donald Trump all sorts of names if you want. Mm. All I know is I'm paying a lot more for gas. I'm paying a lot more for chicken, for bacon, for milk, for, for egg, for cheese than I did before. Yeah, but that's grassroots. How do you handle the top? Okay, there's, there's bottom up and then top down. So the top down, the media, Hollywood, big tech, FBI. everything, even the clearly the deep right. state, how does he combat that? Because the, the, the fear well, is it's just going to be this antagonistic, well, 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 vindictive the, the, relationship. The good news is the trust, the trust in the media has never been lower. And that's because Donald Trump has popularized the expression fake news uh, and disinformation. Uh, you, 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 you combat it by telling the truth and by standing your ground, which is why people love Donald Trump so much. He's a fighter. So He's it sounds fighter. like even though you're running for president, he has your vote. If he becomes a nominee, he has my, he has my vote. I, I would rather be the nominee, and I'll, I'll ask him to be, be my running mate. By the way, <laughs> by the way, even though, Donald Trump will be your running yeah, Even though we does. just verified by Democrats that the birther was started by Hillary, right. can, you say, can you show the poll how it's doing, Rob? I'm just curious to know because— some people want to believe this. Okay. They have to believe of this. Of course, because they can't admit they that they're can't wrong. they can't handle the, the truth, truth from mm-hmm. the movie. You can't handle the truth. Okay, go what to the poll. poll if you can, Rob, just to tell us if you can show us how the poll is doing percentage-wise. Even Hillary once attacked Donald Trump for starting the racist rumor that Donald Zoom Trump— Zoom in a little bit here. so we can see it. Zoom in a little bit. 24% yes. still believe it's Trump. Yeah. <laughs> 25%. Even though you just showed— like you just showed, like eight minutes ago. Oh. So that means, like, well, that, that's our poll, right? That's our poll. Okay, 76% believe yeah, that. Yeah, for Hillary sure. Started. But think about 25%. But, but are what like, he's no. trying to say is imagine a poll of people that are not oh, watching yeah, the oh show. God, can, God, can, you, can you find a poll of people asking who started the birther thing? There's a regular I, 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 poll. I assure you the majority of Americans, especially Democrats, believe that Donald Trump started it. And, and while he's looking for that layer, I think something that you said and, that, that— And there's no question Donald Trump promoted it. Of course. But well, starting it, he did not start it. Well, sometimes they say you don't want it to be first. You need to be second. Right. So, like, look at MySpace, defunct. Look at Facebook. They're 
trillion dollar company. And Larry, Trump was second. He oh yeah. he, he the was way, the man. By in the it. way, you have to give Hillary credit because she's, she's the G. first one that said it's a you know uh, the election was a fraud. First one that said birther. Bur first one. Yeah. Russia. The way this woman yeah. is she, well, yeah. email like she's on master Larry. of yeah. deception. Thirty thousand yeah. emails. Poof, gone. Holy moly. How, how is she? Pays for the dossier. Nothing. How but Obama made nothing. her secretary of state, Larry Elder. Yeah, because a he knows she's a killer. She, he knows what's go, up. Goes to Juanita Broderick and says, you better keep your mouth shut or else. Or nothing. else. Nothing. And Larry, how is she so untouchable? Can you explain that to me? Like, I don't get. Well, how is well she, she did lose the election against Donald Trump in 2016 because her uh, uh, unfavorable ratings were as high, if not higher, than Donald Trump's. They kind of offset each other. Wow. But, but I'm saying, how how is she is she that embedded with the FBI and the DOJ? and the, the She can do, she can literally kill someone and get away with it, literally. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, literally. Well, I, I'm not going to concede about that part. But, okay. uh, yeah, of course. I mean, the, the DNC was in, was, uh, was in fixed for her. Donna Brazile wanted, gave her campaign questions, remember? Yeah, I remember. I mean, deba debate questions yeah. to make sure she was going to uh, win the nomination. Uh, look, there's a conspiracy of interest with the media, Democratic Party, big tech, Hollywood, academia, and we're against and, and they're and they're united against Republicans. They believe Republicans are bad people or evil people, only care about the rich. Uh, that if you are pro-life, you're anti-female. Uh, if you want strong borders, you're you're a racist. That's how they feel, mm -hmm. and that's what we're up against. Larry, last question because I know we got to wrap up. Your friend, your good buddy, your compadre, Charlemagne the God. Yes. You were just you we mentioned him a little bit earlier. Yes. Uh you were on his show, The Breakfast Club, massive audience, you know, massive black audience. Um breaking news, I just found out you're black. That's crazy. I what? just found that out. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, crazy. What? Just, just what? Amazing. Uh, what? Respect. I, <laughs> but you were on about two weeks ago, and right. then he did a reaction video and he uh so politely called you the donkey of the day. Yeah, and he went that. ham on you, brother. I saw that. So, you know, he's got a huge voice in the black community, obviously. What do you say to him? What do you say to the black community that they think you're the donkey when you're just like, look, personal power, personal self-improvement, accountability? Well, he, he called me the donkey of the day, as I recall, because I didn't make the debate stage and I complained about it. Mm -hmm. And I, I was on his show saying that there's no systemic racism uh, in America. And here Larry is complaining about the systemic way he did not make the debate stage. Yeah. That's what he said. Make, to me, that made no sense. And frankly, I believe he called me the donkey of the day because if you look at the comments, and I have a friend who read every single one of them, and these are his people. 85% of them thought he got his butt kicked. Yep. Yeah. So, so would you go back again? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I'm, okay. I, I'm tentatively scheduled to go back. How do you days. win over... Not only Charlemagne, but the people who think like Charlemagne, because there's millions of them. Tell the truth. Yeah. Tell the truth. But you know, they I, say I've been, you can't I've been, handle I've been, the do, truth. I've been doing this for 40 years, what you guys are doing, been for 40 years. And I've noticed something. When somebody calls up, and I always took pride in taking people who disagree with me, no one in the middle of a conversation is going to go, you know what? You're right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I've, been in, I've had an epiphany. It's the person who's driving, who's listening, mm -hmm. that I'm talking to. And so I, I know that Charlemagne, the guy, is not going to go, oh, you know, Larry, I never, never thought about this. And you're right. There is no systemic racism. I, I need to rethink my assumptions. He's not going to do that. But his listeners will. And if you look, the look at the comments, many of them have. I'm not saying they suddenly become card-carrying, uh, Trump-supporting Republicans, but they're beginning to rethink their assumptions. They know fatherlessness is a big, bigger problem than systemic racism. Sure. They see the schools. They see the crime. Well, can I give you one quick, one quick story? Go for it. When I was in high school, there was a guy named Gilbert. And he was a iffy kind of student. He wasn't a bad student, but he wasn't somebody that was academically oriented as I was. 
I told you my, my, my dad used to have a cafe and I didn't like, didn't like working for him. So when my dad and I stopped talking to each other at 15 years old, I decided to get me a job in the summer with the, with the county, LA County. You had to go downtown and take this big test. It must have been three or 400 people. This is in the, in the late 60s. Most of the people there were white. And one of the guys taking the test was this guy named Gilbert from my high school. And I saw him, and um, it was a three-hour exam, uh, math, uh, reading comprehension, stuff like that. And then you had to go out in the hall, and then they grade the paper, and you come back in. So I see Gilbert. He goes, hey, Larry, what's up? I said, what's going on, Gilbert? He said, watch out. They're going to get us. I said, who's going to get us? He said, the white people who are grading these exams. <laughs> yeah. I said, they're going to get us? He said, watch, watch them flunk us. So we go back in. About 300 people, as I said, they call out your uh, name if you are to remain, meaning you pass the test. And then they would give you a bunch of options for jobs. And if you didn't get your name called, you had to leave. So I'm sitting there calling off the names. Of course, my name was called, as were the names of a number of black people. And then you hear a screeching of chairs as the people who weren't called get up to leave. So Gilbert walks right by me and he says, as he sees me sitting there, obviously my name was one of those who was called, who was named. He said, what did I tell you? How can somebody make an argument that white people are going to flunk black people? I'm black. I'm sitting there. I'm not flunked. And he walks by me and he says, what did I tell you? This is the mentality. This is a sick, this is an illness. And a lot of black people have that. We have to raise our game. I remember the dream team in the Olympics because we began losing matches. We can't send college kids anymore and expect to win. 92. So the dream team crushes everybody. Well, now we still send the best. We don't crush people anymore. It's competitive now because the rest of the world raised their game. They didn't lower the hoop. They didn't widen the hoop. They raised, We need to raise our game as black people. If you look at a graph of how much uh, homework a black kid does every night versus a white kid versus an Asian kid, it's like this. If you don't put in the time, you're not going to get the results. We have to stop bitching and moaning and whining about systemic racism and raise our effing game. That's what I'm all about. Larry Elder, that is. Larry, by the way, what's the website to go to for your campaign? Is there a website? LarryElder.com. Can we put that link below, please? And, and, uh, and my book is As Goals California, My Mission to Rescue mm-hmm. the Golden State and Save the Nation. As you can see, my goals, Tom, are modest. <laughs> we, we, we got all of that below. Larry, once again, thank you for coming out, gang. Uh, we got another podcast, I believe, this Thursday. Thursday. Yes, Candace Owens will be joining Candace us. Candace Owens will be here this Thursday. Looking forward to but, that but, as by well. By the way, can I, when we're, you know, shut up. I've got, I've got a coaching tree. Uh, Stephen Miller, one of Donald Trump's top aides. Mm-hmm. I first had him on my radio show when he was 14 years old. He was a student at Santa Monica High. And I thought he was brilliant. And over the years, I had him on the show 69 times. The reason I know the number is because he counted them. It's a weird number, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Candace Owens refers to me as her mentor. She wrote the forward to my book, Ask Goes California. I wrote the forward oh, wow. to her book, Blackout. Oh, wow. Uh, the guy that's the editor-in-chief of Breitbart News, his name is Alex Marlowe. I gave him his first job in conservative radio. Michelle Malkin. First time she's ever on radio or TV, she was on my radio program. Ben Shapiro has publicly credited me with getting him into the into this business in this field. Andrew Breitbart has publicly credited me with inspiring him to get into this field. Uh, there's a there's a syndicated uh, call, uh, cartoonist named uh, Branco Antonio Branco. I liked his work. I went to my syndicator. I said, "This guy's brilliant." He goes, "No, we don't like him. He's brilliant. We don't like him." So over the years, I would send him the best ones. He now has a syndicated deal with uh, with uh, Creator Syndicate. So I'm very proud that I've been able to influence a lot of these young 
Respect. Young young people. Yeah, yeah. respect. You've done, and by the way, it, it, and we can add names that you forgot to bring up. That's many other names that I brought it up. Ruben, a bunch of other people that yeah. we can add to that as well. Right. But it's great. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your voice. You're doing a great job. It's very necessary. Please continue. Thank you. Gang, have a great one. We'll do it again on Thursday. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.